0: It's a dog dark night. Dark night. night. Hey yo, what's up everybody? Dan Tom here from MMA Junkie and the Action Network, host of this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, where we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're gonna do here today tonight. Whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's for the fight recording at the usual time. Uh, Thursday evening that's you know Las Vegas West Coast uh, Pacific time which will not be the time of the event which will be going on in Toronto different part of North America Uh, that is for UFC 297 of course we're going to be breaking that down from top to bottom what's up everybody in the chat good to uh, hear you guys Um, which is good because like I just plugged in my AirPods without checking if they even connected and we know those can be pretty finicky but everything seems to be going okay you guys seem to hear me okay <clears throat> apologies for the later start uh just only fifteen minutes, but I did need it uh wasn't able to uh still cut my hair because I've been just barely hanging in there uh still uh under the weather and cu- getting through it uh non infectious uh had to finally go to the doctors finally got health insurance or whatever you call health insurance here in the United States I had to pay a lot more this time around, which was not fun but got some uh antibiotics to uh hopefully uh hopefully uh you know uh kick whatever is remnant from the uh, sinus infection or whatever and i can get back to it because there's plenty to do folks uh for me for you hopefully and uh for the collective we this weekend which we're gonna focus on of course don't worry i'm not gonna get caught up on any of that stuff gonna try to uh focus here but uh, oh man we got a uh, people uh, all up in the chat gonna give you guys love of course hit the like button uh all that stuff uh subscribe if you want to contribute to the chat Thank you guys for that. Like, appreciate y'all. Um, you don't have to like, uh, you know, pay or whatever for the super chat. Like, I will try my best to answer all your guys' questions as per usual. Um, but yeah, you will get priority if you do. And again, uh, you know, I don't know how much this is monetized. A, with you know, uh, it's not being a you know very high reaching channel for one. Uh, to really get the views in for monetization, and, and B, you know, you know, the old Dan Thompson has a patty mouth, and even though I put the explicit apparently that kind of uh, affects what you do so if you want to support this here free program free content free podcast shout out to the listeners of course uh listening on itunes five star ratings and reviews always appreciate it check the timestamps for listening in the future 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 you want to skip this and get right to the breakdowns i always offer you that i don't expect you to stay with me though you live viewers are stuck with me which is why i appreciate you more but yeah this will always remain free but you can always hit like the super chat thing especially like we have a good week, like we did last week. We'll recap that here in a second. Uh, you know, you can go ahead and, like, tip the show or something. But this here will may- remain free. And, uh, like, if I ever even did a Patreon, like I said, I'd go compose it. Like, you guys wouldn't even know. It would be, like, just posted up in the link tree. Just for there, whoever wants to, like, do it. I don't think I could bring myself to sell it, much less put this show behind the paywall. So we're going to get to it. We're going to recap USC Vegas 84. Uh, just some quick shouts. We got, uh... Rain Lamina kicking it off proper. The third Rikus duplice of cooking messali. I do cook Messali. The Raquel Pennington of Dancing with Raymond Reddington. I don't know who that is, but that sounds naughty. Uh what's up, Rain Lamina? Always appreciate you and your rhymes, my man. Uh Jesus is in the chat. Ah, uh, saludos, what's up, Jesus? Um UFC card, not a pay per view card. Yeah, it, it doesn't feel like one, does it? But uh it is, and we have to pay that pay per view price, unfortunately. I don't even know if they do promotions any, like, like these days or whatever. But if you were at like a promotion, like get a free pay-per-view or something. like This is the one you would use it for. Uh, of course, everybody's cheap now. Uh, who is not cheap is Jimmy Kudo, the enforcer. Of course, Jimmy Kudo, 598. I appreciate you so much. Especially holding it down while our man Ghost is out of action. Uh, I'm in communication with Ghost right now. I actually got to get back to him on a DM. Apologies, Ghost, uh, who is probably listening through the Twitter. The Twitter, we actually get more numbers on that stream than we do here. I got to start broadcasting. It's like the old IG. But yeah, we, uh, we definitely miss you, Ghost, and we definitely appreciate you, Kudo. Uh, Enforcers in the house, it says, all I ask uh, is everyone respect, he, uh, is respect everyone here, especially Dan. No need negativity with too much of it in this space. Boy, is that the truth this week, man. It's been really ugly. I feel like I say that every week, whether we're talking about UFC um, <clears throat> in, in cage action, out of cage action, or just like uh, non-related UFC action, right? Like you know, just like global stuff. Like uh, it it's it it's really you know it's really bad out there. Oh, By the way, uh, before I forget, just something stupid, but I forgot to say it last time with uh, which is kind of apropos. I was gonna miss the first Saudi card because I'll be in Thailand uh, next month, but apparently they moved that Saudi card, and uh, I just will say cause I, again I'm I. Not for the reason uh, most do, but I just try to not stick to sports because I hate that term, and, and politics are intertwined. Um, but I just try to say because because everything's just way too depressing, and I'm already have my own depression and stuff that I'm not trying to like bleed onto you guys, right? Or already, and that's hard enough for old Dan Tom to do. Like, what? Why? Why invite the rest of that negativity? You guys know where I stand. I know you know. I know where you guys stand. You guys know this is a loving, accepting place. We love and accept everybody here. Um, no matter their race, religion, uh, sexuality, identity, it, it doesn't matter, shouldn't matter. Don't know why that's so controversial, but uh, we love everybody, so preaching what Ghost said. But I will say, for the uh, for the uh, the the, the the keep politics out of sports crowd, like folks with the with the Saudi, you know, from the PGA golf, boxing, now we're seeing MMA, like. It's, um you, you know, everyone's going to be finding out about sports washing, whether they, they want to realize it or not. I mean, cue up the song, baby. Going to the sports wash. <inaudible> to the sports wash, yeah. <inaudible> sports wash. <inaudible> just hear that every time, that annoying jingle that I just poisoned your mind with. Every time we hear news about this kind of stuff. um, Because it, it, it is going to be part of the ecosphere, sadly, as well. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about, folks. I'm not really a current events show. You guys can ask whatever you want. God knows I'll be too honest for my own good about it. Um, you guys can ask, like, whatever you want, literally. You could be fucking, not even about UFC, like, Dan Burgundy will read the teleprompter. But yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna be focusing on, uh, results and, uh, breakdowns. That's what, uh, this, this podcast is for. When we do top five podcasts, we get a little more looser, go back into history and those more special shows. That I've been better about bringing back to you guys gonna try to bring one back to you guys next week So I'm not going to do too many read-throughs or anything because we may have a recap uh, portion time next week if I'm not able to uh, Book the top five that I'm currently trying to book uh, with, a, with a with a good buddy of mine right now, so we'll see But yeah, that's what we got coming up gonna get through a few more of you in the chat And then I want to push on and I will get back to you guys So if I don't make it through uh all is good um yeah we got that synchro wing what's up james kendrick uh sad question to start the show how sad is it that people got mad at zong versus yang uh, announcement reverting back to the 2021 where people were being racist to zang i mean i feel like that's part and parcel i you know uh, i'm sure there's many examples of what you're talking about james um i thought it was a fine matchup but yeah kind of like i said on spinning back click which um it was pretty apropos. It was funny. Like they, they, we were doing like a segment on like what matchups do you guys like the best, and like everybody was picking up what matchups. And you know, classic Dan Tom fashion, and not even trying to be an annoying contrarian that I can be, which is kind of the ironic part. I was like, they're all trash matchups, you know, uh, to be honest. And I went through and I broke it and busted them all down, and was talking about the UFC lack of star power, these bad matchups, you know, rematches, all these things, and like between, you know. The Contender Series rematch. Try to so understand the context behind that one we're getting this week. We'll talk about that here in a second, folks. For the fight card, uh, to the matchmaking from the Saudis to all these things, the UFC 300. It just uh, ends up being apropos. So, uh, you know, again, we'll we'll see if we can get the picks and and, and you know the money making predictions right. But as far as the general analysis goes, um, not leading you guys too wrong on there. But yeah, as far as the Zhang and Yan, I thought it, I still think it's a fine fight. But again. I also went off on spinning back click uh, for the uh, Zang gang crowd in the chat. Uh, I kept the same energy there and uh, did my normal spiel, which I wouldn't, I don't even like doing, but it's just a fact at this point, you know, like. Uh like, whether it's, you know, uh, Rick Lamas, BJ Penn in the Philippines, we're supposed to have that card in the Singapore, they canceled. The Korea card, they canceled. The China card, they canceled. Bringing Zhang versus Yan over here, uh, not doing Road to UFC with the Korean, the Southeast Asian fighters. I mean, that was just off the top of my head, and I just spammed across literally multiple continents over a half-a-decade time span. I didn't even have to try, folks. The UFC doesn't care about Asian things. It's just just what it is. not trying to be from your political <laughs> whoa, whoa, like no it's just i'm just saying that the sky oh that that color is blue i'm colorblind and i i know i know that i don't know what's so controversial to say yeah but that that is uh that is not surprising james kendrick real Susan truesdale so excited to talk fights to you uh, excited to talk fights you, and i will be getting to that folks my man brad tasha this is the canadian exchange rate of pay-per-views oh my goodness yes thank you for brad for uh representing, you know, uh, your people well by by also just being honest and calling out stuff. I mean, those price, I mean, you guys are getting gouged up there, you know. I don't know what the economic status is. I mean, I imagine it's just crappy everywhere. You know, I don't know if you guys up in Canada are like, you know, the, the people in the UK during the summertime where they're just, you know, sitting in their trash cans <laughs> full of water to cool off, you know, or whatever the hell's been going on up there. But uh, hopefully you guys are keeping well. Uh, I know I know I I know you are Brad. You know how to you know how to appreciate the finer things in life, my friend. Uh Fenyo, my guy, just popping in between recording my pod to say uh hi to all the beautiful people. What is up, Fenyo? I love the early prelims podcast and if you follow the fight uh, dash site.com their podcast feed as you should. Um, you also get uh the uh Fenyo's uh full uh full preview podcast which is just any fights that I will skip light on, uh, I deflect the Feniel's podcast for a reason, folks. So uh, shout out to one of my favorite analysts and people just in this space. Uh, um, friends, actually, friend. I, uh, uh, you know, uh, very uh, practicing gratitude. Very grateful for these people. Um, Jesus M., will Strickland use the Philly shell this Saturday? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that or, you know... <laughs> As far as it is that a Philly shell or not, and, and what you know what to maybe expect, we'll talk about that in a second. That is great. On that note, we will probably... Jin Karasu, going to Thailand, so happy for you. Thank you, appreciate that. But yes, as we're getting actual technical questions, that's probably a good sign to uh, jump in to uh, the action. First, we're going to recap. Uh, it's 11.30 roughly here. Let's go recap UFC Vegas 84, which happened last week. We went 9-2 in picks overall. One and O in straight plays, three and two in props. Two out of five in the round, Robin. It paid off. It paid itself off because all you need is two legs the way I set those up. But uh, unless you hit all of them, of course, you're not going to hit the long shot parlay, which is fine. That's like a ducket or whatever. Uh, We went plus 6.79 units overall. Um, Untrack didn't do as good, but did some cool things on track, which maybe we'll talk about for the prelims. And uh, as far as that goes. but, yeah, I uh, got those results here uh, up in front of me. Of course, it was Magomed ankolaev Dagestani Stipe. People didn't really uh, catch the uh, thumbnail banner. You can still go up on the YouTube channel if you like and go go look at how how well Stipe Miocic can disguise himself as Magomed Ankalaev. Of course, uh, I was a little skeptical about putting the round, two, but that was just the hot round that I saw. And uh, sure enough, uh, ended up throwing it in there. And good thing I did, because I was a little... Eh, just because I, I mean who likes betting on Kalayev, right I mean I know a lot of people do clearly <laughs> look at the numbers this guy pulls but you know what I'm saying uh for gentlemen of mine excuse it's not really but you know what I mean uh yeah it's like am uh, I'm, I'm a plus money who so uh you guys know uh you know the, the the uh the chalices uh that I drink from they're not really chalices I'll just you know I'll, I'll take my hits where I can get them so uh but that one hit thankfully so that was nice that paid off nicely. Um, I was barely even paying attention. I was like, I just get like checked out toward the end of the cards, even on winning nights apparently. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you guys get like this for any of you who are like, I hope not. I, I It's my job and I don't know why I watch as much tape as I do, you know, and I get paid for it. Like, I, I hope you guys don't on your free time. But if you do, because I know the kind of uh, maniacs from analysis uh, nerds like myself to degenerate gamblers like myself, um, watch this show so I don't know if you guys ever get this where you're watching so much tape during the week when it's finally time to watch the live show you're like trying to hit like fast forward through all like the, the shitty like uh, do what I want what I want what I want yeah, whatever fucking shit commercials they're playing and you're like fast like, oh I'm watching live I can't fast forward through this fight or this 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 nonsense right now um, sorry for your eardrums I don't know who's bad song of whatever artist that my boomer ass doesn't know I just tried to impersonate. Um, but, yeah, uh, so that that fight will happen. And then for the co-main event, the uh, only minted co-main event, of course, it was supposed to be Manel Cop versus um, uh, Mateusz Nicolau. And what I say last week, too, I'm like, you guys are jinxing. You know, again, th- I mean, the Figueiredo comparisons are unreal. From the hype, right, to the uh, acting like a badass and then, like, barely making it to fights for one reason or another. The problems with the scale, Right. Uh, remember I was just saying, like, guys, like, Figgy has to, like, win the fight before you can fully, like, fillet him with your mouths and hands all at the same time, like, and speaking of which, let's, you know, go easy on the poor guy. He has to pass the physical. I don't know how closely they have to look over here, but if you guys are just, you know, red jacking him, you know, to death over there, like, Figgy's gonna, Figgy's gonna get rashed up or whatever, you know, and, like, you guys are, like, jinxing him, and obviously that's just a really sick and weird analogy of a joke that seems part and parcel for this fucking show, but the point is, <clears throat> it's like it, 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 the jinx, right? Like <clears throat> it, it just—it's it, happening now. Now, poor Manel Cap is like in the running with, uh, you know, Ian McCall and Alex Alex uh, Perez, you know, <clears throat> which sucks because I like those guys too. And it's just you know we saw what happened there. So again, folks, I'm not hating. I was on Manel Cap. I was picking Manel Cap. He trains out of my backyard. Not hating again. You you gamblers and your hype, man. You gam- and obviously, you know, a lot of gamblers listen to this show and may have been on them and, you know, were joking with me like, ah, oh, poor part of the problem. Sorry, Dan. Like, just, joke. like, obviously, you know, uh, it's all love, you guys. I'm, I'm obviously, I'm more talking about just the, the, the general public out here. Just, just blurring lines before even us who do fight week content or do our fight week bets, which is when you should be doing this stuff. You know, I'm talking about all the people that are just, you know, those CLV club people, man, that just blow these lines out of proportion. We'll talk about, what we got left over of Canada? Let's just push the the rest of this. Jim Miller's son, of course, was the actual co-main event. That was amazing. Uh, we didn't get round one; it was round three. He hasn't finished anybody in round three since Kamal Shalorus back in the day. And I remember like studying that 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 fight so old that I remember studying that fight before my first amateur fight because I was like, I'm like, I'm a Southpaw. I need ideas. I want to watch Southpaws in MMA that I like. Jim Miller. I was like, uh, I don't know much about Marvin Eastman's son, but like, the dude looks like he can wrestle. Uh, looks powerful. Uh, he's got that Muay Thai stance where he's got like the uh, He's ready to throw power from the right, but he had that crooked like T-shape almost parallel like he was ready to kick So I was like uh, he, Jim Miller just fought Kamal Shala at the time and I was like last well, like just like, a power guy a wrestler Let's see what what a Salpaw does there and I remember that was just like, one of many fights that uh, I just remember we just be watching like while I was in camp like Just trying to get ideas because I, I should you know, ugh Oh, I think my striking's bad now, folks. Ho, oh, oh, ho, oh, oh, 2011, Dan Tom. Uh, anyways, uh, but yeah, Jim miller son that was just amazing. Who doesn't love Jim Miller? Mar- Mario D- Batista defeated Ricky Simon Bato. Hopefully uh, that name uh, is in your head. But uh, yeah, I-, I didn't watch this fight as close as I should have, and then it was just like a killer fight, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm watching fights right now, right? And then uh, and I'm like, I really like this fight, and it was just really cool to see. Um you know, Simone uh, was competitive early. He almost reminded me that B.J. Penn, Kenny Florian, uh, when he like counters like the Superman punch with a left hook. B.J. does to Kenny is like a similar thing, but it's like a, not a Superman punch. but I think it was a flying knee. Batista f- through, uh, but Batista, you know, kept mixing it up and was just really got a, a chance to really fight to his level and show his level. Um, even though I picked against Batista, didn't doubt him, so I was really happy to see him shine through. Also easier to be happy that my only bet was was one of my more confident bets. You know, when I went with uh, best bets on behind the scenes, I was like, yo, I got these three options, but everybody was kind of like, someone already had an angle on this fight. Someone already had an angle on the Jim Miller fight. um, And uh, so I was like, all right, I'll go Josh Fan, which cash inside the distance. My other 1.5 though was Miller inside the distance, that cash. And then we had this fight going the distance. I just felt like it was just, again, one of those bargain, you know, uh, kind of like when Ricky Simone fought Song Dong, you know, I know a lot of people cashed the, you know Granted it was like a plus 100 still a plus number on Song dong You could argue You know coulda shoulda woulda been in the favor, right? And that's a great bet I'm not saying it's not but I still felt like one of the quieter, good bets was just kicking for coverage and Having that under 4.5 rounds right at the minus 135 This is the opposite but in the same fighter one of the same fighters in the same weight class to go with the distance but a shorter frame right the three-round fight Two very competitive guys. I just felt really good about that bet, um, so that went through. That was nice. Uh, Bruno Fajeda defeated uh uh Fajeda. That's two hours, right? Fajeda, um, uh, defeated Phil Haas, and that was. It's not even fun anymore, man. I mean, it's like uh, not that it is fun or should be fun, but even like I try to think like myself, like to try to humanize all the bullshit we see, and bad takes you see on the timeline. I try to rem- remind myself that I was young, stupid, and. Uh, at my most toxic and and all those things. And as far as, like, you know, ever, like, taking, like, joy or anything, there was a time where, like, you know, Brendan Schaub would get booked against somebody and I would, like, message a friend and be like, (laughs) like, because there was already, like, that gift you know, the helicopter, there was uh, the butterflies, there was already, like, a kind of a a thing about it, you know, and that was probably me at my worst as a fandom, if I'm admitting out loud, I know. People will probably not hate me for that. Still, <laughs> not exactly just the most sympathetic guy, but nonetheless, not proud of myself. Nonetheless, right? Um, yeah, I don't know how you could you could. Not that it was like that with Phil Phil Haws for me, or it should be for you. But even if you were that guy, right? Even if you were a a, a young, even more immature Dan Tom, um, because again, I ain't coming from a moral high ground, folks. I I I, I uh, I'm a human being too, right? But even then, it's just like, yeah, how could you enjoy seeing Phil Hoggs get uh, knocked out like this anymore? It's like, I I hope he's got other things he can do. Teach some wrestling, some good people around him, a good support system. And I hope he's healthy. That's all I can say. Uh, Waldo Cortez Acosta firmly retains a spot. I said uh, as like the least favorite heavyweight on the roster. But both because (laughs) of it being heavyweight and it being Waldo, we could just go ahead and say least favorite fighter (laughs) on the roster, right? Right? And I'm probably not alone, right? Uh, just awful, awful. Like, give this guy Sergei Pavlovich, I hope. Just the disrespect to Arlovsky. You know, usually I'm, you know, because, again, I, even though I will not just uh, say I'm not, you know, some picturesque perfect person and will constantly give you examples of how I'm not, uh, I know, I, you know, just being in the media, you get, like, you know, and, like, defending people, like, who are gay or being genocided, you immediately are like, yes, sir, weeks after uh, you know, moral high ground or whatever, like this or that, but like even, yeah, I get accused of that all the time, I guess. So, but like, yeah, even people who aren't even of that uh, category were like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, that, that's, uh, that's disrespectful. That's just straight up disrespect. So it's like, you know, it's bad when like everybody's kind of on the same page with that, right? So yeah, Waldorf has a cost of two thumbs down. Um, we'll see if they give Orlovsky another paycheck. Preston Parsons defeated Matthew Semelsberger, um, and this was tough. Uh, not tough, because again, I'm grateful. It was a really, it was a, it was not just a winning night, but a nice winning night. Um, you know, maybe six units might not be like too crazy big for, for you know. For, for for some, I mean, you must be doing really good in that case, I guess, on the reg. But for someone like me, that, that's plenty good. So I'm not complaining. But yeah, it was this was definitely one where we were just like, it's not just like, oh, he put his hand around his neck, or he looked like he might have been rocked. I almost got the KO prop, where you know we're really like dressing it up in our head, and I'm guilty of that. We're all guilty of that, right? This was like a really legit one, though, you know. And I, I couldn't decide between Preston Parsons round two or Preston Parsons submission for my prop squad pick. Of course, I picked submission uh throw round two with a round robin so i've got action on both and that would have been one of those thousand dollar swings for sure again not complaining was already a six plus point unit but uh like he you know it was locked out you almost could have even argued you know which was annoying with the you know with the what was it um hadley versus somebody where you could have got the verbal tap right we've seen fights stop that way before danny roberts and uh can't just see of a new level. Right? And it's it's legit. You might not like it, but it's it's part of the rules. If you go, Ah, if you're in a submission, the ref has every right to stop it, you know? Um, even if you were just it just just for a quick moment you actually maybe got out after that, right? Um but yeah, he and, and then even in the in the interview Parsons like he's like, I don't let it pop his arm in the armbar, I popped it on the Kimura, too. And you could tell because the Kimura, he almost looked up, like, Are we gonna keep going? That shit just popped. Like he thought he was done. And uh burger technically didn't tap, so The ref was letting it go. And so, you know, uh, Parsons was like, all right, I can keep pounding away, I guess. Um, dude's a beast for the small cage. His style is good for the small cage. You know, not perfect or whatever, but you can see he's making some improvements. Um, so that was really nice. Uh, so hopefully you guys appreciated uh, that little. Uh, you know, ins- it's nice also when I can give you some little intel and, and see a fighter's journey from when they were younger like that. And, you know, see they've got that dogging them, see it translates, and you saw that because semelsberger to his credit, like uh, you know, like anybody that had like a fight that didn't go the distances or unders that didn't hit uh were affected. I was saying you shouldn't feel bad I was saying to my guy Dan, you shouldn't feel bad about any bets for or against semelsberger in that spot. They were saying he was going through a lot of stuff, family going through bad luck, all that stuff. You know Dan Tom sympathetic to all that shit, right? So immediately I'm like, Oh, this guy's coming a fight you know what I'm saying? And Semmelsberger sure as hell did, like Say what you will about his game, as disjointed as it was, and this and that, and his performance, performances, his trend, all that. He was still a man possessed that night, man. So even though it was a close swing, I'm not obviously feeling bad about it. And if anything, I got hats off to to Semelsberger, man. That, That guy just, you could tell, I mean, he was just fighting himself in there as much as he was fighting Preston, man, fighting some demons. Marcus McGee, CB4, Drexel from True Romance out there. Getting it done against uh, Gaston Bolanos. No one fights like Gaston. No one fucks like Gaston. Dan, what version of Beauty and the Beast did you watch? Sorry. Sorry, folks. Came up in the... In the... Listen, hey, that could have been a version of it. I mean, we this is the, the same era where we had, a, you know, Little Mermaid with the penis castles on the VHS thing. Dan, you were really sounding like a pervert and dating yourself now. I'm just saying they had the priest pop a boner. That wasn't Dan Tom's doing. Look into it, Folks. Anyways, it was not a Disney character, but uh, he did go down, I guess, Don and uh, Marcus McGee, baby. So I ended up taking, um, so like part of me was like, okay, so uh, I can't play Inside the Distance, so I just laid like Jim Miller, you know. I think I even went, I just went Jim Miller like two units, like minus one fifty, at the at the counter, right? Uh, So so then I'm like, uh, that that wasn't as sexy as Inside the Distance, but whatever. And then. I forget what the fight doesn't go the distance or the under, or or, or the fight goes the distance or whatever for Bautista or whatever if I wanted to mimic my main plays. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, um, I don't know if I want to spend that, you know, my bankroll, like buying more chalk. And then Van, he's like not even like, it's not even like Miller where I can pivot to a chalk money line. Like Van was what, minus two something? So I couldn't do that with Van. So I'm like, Dan, play the rounds. And I'm always, I feel bad because I'm always like, Uh, empty, and then by the time I actually look at the fights a little closer, uh, if I've got time, or just, you know, uh, in a situation like this, I'm like, you know what, let's just play rounds, so instead what I did was I played McGee rounds 2 and 3, I played uh, Nicholas Mata round 1 because it was, I saw it floating at plus 600, which just seems stupid, and I posted that one. Um, All Scotty Pippins, by the way. And then I took Joshua van rounds two and three because I saw my guy Clint, shout out to him. He had a round three play for the prop squad. Almost hit. Arguably, you know, could have. Really close, man. I really felt for round three hitters. Of course, I didn't feel as bad because I also, like, I do kind of split it with a round two. I got another one of those coming at you for UFC 297. Hang tight, folks. But yeah, I split it there. And then I think I even, I like, had $5 left over and I just put, like, Lapalus-Basharat-like um, decision. And I want to say that was like, what was that? So that was probably like, like 150 bucks, right? Um, and that's action on one, two, three, technically four, even though really that draw ticket was, you know, Dan Tom off, Jif, nothing really there. You know, uh, that was like covering four fights, you know, like five or six tickets or whatever. And then the way that the odds ended up was I just needed one of those to hit to pay off like five or six tickets, essentially, um, or at least you're six, you know, six to seven if you want to count the draw or something like that uh, in that neighborhood, which is not bad, right? Like if you were playing for funsies especially, um, you don't want to be playing for big amounts. And also you want to, you know, so you want to play for high amounts, higher payouts. Uh, you don't know how to give as much to get the higher payouts. And when you kind of do a shotgun spread at some general rounds of fighters you like um, and you kind of do it mathematically and responsibly uh, slash serious, semi-seriously at the same time, be like you know what that that might actually be a better investment and um i did way better there and then i only did like you know plus like two to three units up so i actually did half as well like unofficially untracked because again i couldn't mimic my plays but that that actually saved my ass so if you guys are messing around um that's just something kind of to look at and uh yeah uh, of course mcgee looked good uh Lapalus went as expected john silva slow walkout poor question wilson i did like his wonka walkout uh, Nicholas Motto, come, come on, thank you guys for giving me credit on the Motto one, I mean, I wasn't, like, super confident on it, did tell you guys I was playing it, I mean, the logic was all there, it wasn't like I was saying anything crazy, but I do appreciate the cred, uh, credit to you, if you, proverbial, you tail, right, uh, Joshua Van, of course, Felipe Bunis, he's like, uh, uh, I think my guy Dan Levy tweeted, he's like, he's like uh, Peter Yan, uh, it just was kind of a, it was kind of a, kind of a spot comparison, you giving up that first round like that, so. All right, 2854, recap done. Um, Before we get to the uh, breakdown, I'm going to try to clean up the chat a bit, just a little bit. Um, I will talk about your Jesus M, the Strickland shell. Um, Rios is in Truesdale. We talk about sport washing and MMA ecosystem, and we have deep discussions about it, unlike most of the people in MMA that try to avoid the subject yeah, I don't know how deep my discussions are. Like I I would I would refer to like uh you know, a lot of the work you, you, you know, uh guys like Kareem Zidane, uh excellent journalist do in that regard. He really has much more uh a beat on that, obviously. Um again I, I referenced uh, an interview you did with Steffi Hayes on the Bloody Elbow uh substack. That is definitely worth checking out if you want to educate yourself more on that. Kareem called it actually really beautifully too. Speaking of calling things, so um, James Kendrick hello Fanyo you are so cool Fanyo what's up from Jimmy Kudo Fanyo getting love in the chat love to see it grateful dude happy to catch a show live appreciate the breakdowns appreciate you grateful dude thank you uh, seems like a good week of betting for you Dan congrats thank you it was I'll definitely take that Sammy Arnett thank you for chiming in Uh, Dan you went 9-2 and two on plays that's awesome it's good to see good people like yourself do well and keep the same energy I, I appreciate that man I try to cheer on uh, the people who I deem uh Good. It's really dangerous to do that. I warn you. Not, again, you know, I don't know how good I am, but no. Of course, we're all friends here, and that's all love here. So I appreciate that. Um, kai Goku, What is up, my friend? What does CLV mean? Closing line value. Closing line value. So people uh, beating the line. So before they, uh, before a three-three-to-one uh, one favorite turns into a five-to-one favorite, they got in when it was a three-to-one favorite, right? Um... You know, if it was a 5-to-1 underdog, it gets bet down to a 3-to-1 underdog. CLV people are like, I got it when it was 5-to-1. You don't have better press than me. I don't know why I just gave them an accent. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, uh, Makoto Koyogoku says, forgive me if my English is my second language. I might not know all the acronyms. You do great for your second language, for one. So, no need to apologize, uh, Makoto. But, hopefully, that answers your question. Uh, Ray Lam. I'm part of the Jack Slack Patreon. He had an interesting comparison with drekus and Rob Whitaker. He said Rob Whitaker is 80% technical and 20% ridiculous nonsense, but is the complete opposite. Rodriguez uh, is the complete opposite, as he's 80% ridiculous nonsense and 20% technical. Agree? I mean, I, I didn't hear Jack Slack, but that, from what you say, that sounds that sounds very that makes very much sense. Actually, yeah, um, I'd be curious to see how he colors and characterizes it, because Jack Slack is really great. But, um, yeah, I, I don't disagree with that at all. Real Susan Truesdale. I didn't watch the Orlovsky fight, but I saw so much of the disrespectful uh, knobhead Waldo Acosta was. Yeah, yeah, he, he definitely was. Uh, Sam Yarnett agrees with you. He says, I agree. Waldo Acosta, Sergey Pavlovich. What a horrible person. Yeah, give it to him. Hey, chronic comeback, for, comeback conversations. Let's go, PYN chat. What is up? Can't wait to see you guys later. Of course, you guys do a great podcast there. My guys, TB and Guru Scouting. Matt Polly what's up? Wasabi, my guy, he says. Love the show. Keep it up. I appreciate that you love the show. I love seeing you. love seeing that Super Mario Avi pop up every time you're here, Matt. So keep uh, showing up. Keep saying hi and smash the like button. We're going to get to the breakdowns after this last one from Rain Lamina. Hey, speaking of Gaston Bolanos, so I made that read last week that he overextends every time he throws his rear hand. You actually did that great call, Rain Lamina. Rain Lamina. Tip of the hat, sir. Tip of the hat. Adding to the, you know, helping fill in for for my guy Ghost here. We've got so such amazing uh, contributing minds from the analytical sense to many more in the chat. Hope you guys join Dan, Tom, MMA. Let's get to the show. We're about a Scotty Pippen in. Speaking of which, 33 minutes and we'll mark it at that We're just a little bit under. UFC 297 Strickland vs Uh Of course, it's going down in Toronto. Uh, hopefully all my Canadian friends uh, and neighbors up north are doing well. Wish I could be up there with y'all, though maybe not uh, because of the void. They really seem to get ugly every time. I just looked at my timeline. I'm like, this is not a good week to do so. Uh, really ugly stuff. Um, uh, obviously I'm gonna you know keep that out of my breakdown of how I break down the fight. But uh, again, folks, uh, just like I'm gonna give the uh, caveat. Whether I pick or not pick an extreme Couture fighter, it's be- it's not because they're an extreme Couture fighter. Um, there are different levels of biases. Perhaps an extreme Couture fighter who's trained under Eric Nixig definitely much more biases that would fit Sean Strickland. But again, I, you guys know I've never been one to agree with Sean Strickland publicly or uh, been a big fanboy of his. And I probably pick against him as much as I pick him, to be honest. If not, if not more, maybe. So. I don't know how much of that bias you could throw on me here, so it shouldn't surprise anybody. I hope it doesn't. Uh, to hear that, uh, yeah, not that I need to say it or fucking, you know, uh, you guys should know this already, but yeah, I don't condone any of that shit. Uh, and I, I, but believe it or not, I think if you ask even, like, his friends and stuff, they, I, I don't think they would either. But um, part of the reason why I don't want to, I don't, Talk about it. not again. It's not because of the districtor sport and to appease that crowd, which is ironic because that is like a crossover overlap of interest, which makes it extra funny when that crowd comes at me in strict sports. It's like, dude, I'm trying, <laughs> fucking assholes. Um, but like also like uh, it's um, was I gonna say shit? It's depressing. We all know that. that. That's fucking for sure. Um, Ben, relax, buddy. Sorry, dog's barking. Ooh, dog's barking. I mean, well, dogs are barking. Bunny's uh, du- been coming in on Duplicy. He's very live here. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, obviously, I don't, uh, you know, don't condone any of the, the hate speech. Oh, this is what I was going to say. Uh, the reason why I don't like to talk about it, not because of the stick to sports crowd, but also it's because it's the, you know, from the algorithms to the, uh, the vibes of it all, right? And The karma of it all and everything in between, right? The hard facts of algo's. To the, to the karma and vibes of it. It's us feeding it that make it bad, you know? As bad as the media is for putting it up, um, you are just as bad as the media for, uh, and I'm not absolving the media, I'm just saying, you're just as bad as the media if you go ahead and then engage with that content. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, I don't you know i you know, This is the least of our problems, so I definitely, you know, complained about it more than I even need to already. I don't want to complain about it more, but shitty, you know, blue-tick threaders. Not everybody who threads was a blue-tick. Shout-out to Ocelot, who does the fighter profiles and stuff. Like, not everybody who does that is bad or whatever, obviously, but I'm just saying, like, you know that's what I'm talking about. All the shitty 2015 uh, to to now, uh, blue-tick threaders and shit, it's just, like, it's all that engagement and shit, like it all feeds each other all the negativity all the bullshit you just look at it you're like how do these things gain so many followers and so much bullshit comments like it's just it's 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 like a suck machine do you really want to feed that you know do you really want to feed that or do you want to spend your time and energy vote with your dollars and clicks on what you actually genuinely care about so that's kind of my mindset about it about everything um but yeah so uh as far as the matchup goes doesn't surprise me that money's coming in on Andreykes. Um I would figure just, you know, he's the value side. You know, uh, he's got multiple pathways to finish. You know, more potent submission threat. Um, a more potent knockout threat. And if somehow it goes to the decision, and he has the gas tank, despite his optics to get there, You could totally see, like, a a thing where it's just, like, he's losing most of the rounds, but he's getting the impactful moments off, right? Because that's what he does. Like, you look at the Tavares or the Whitaker early rounds one and two, right? Where it's, like, he's just getting schooled by these guys in the beginning. And it's just, like, a couple, you know, that, that knee punch combo or whatever. And, like, Brad Tavares is, like, cut on, like, three places all of a sudden out of nowhere. You're like, what the fuck? You know, and Whitaker gets rocked and then gets taken down and then elbow. Uh, elbow, darks comboed, right, and um, he gets cut open, and the, the complexion has all of a sudden changed. You know, the round that Whitaker was winning, he is not all of a sudden. So um, yeah, uh, there's a reason why I didn't touch this fight, but I did end up picking Strickland, and it was an admittedly reluctant pick. Um, it's always funny, like when I do like uh, <laughs> when I like, I'm gonna reluctantly pick this guy. And then, like, when the article gets published, because we can't control, we don't control Writers don't, writers always get shit for the headlines. But, you know, people, people that don't know, writers don't control the headlines. But I feel like every time I write, like, I'm going to reluctantly pick this guy. Like, the, the more less confident I am, like, the more confident <laughs> the editor, my editor seems to make me the title. Like, how and why Sean Strickland will finish him. I'm like, whoa, whoa. I, I, I didn't take to finish. Uh, and, uh, spoiler alert, I'm picking Sean Strickland to survive the storm as the more proven product. That is typically more my style and sense, right? Uh, I don't know how technical airs quotes Sean Strickland is, but you know, you could say he's the more technical, the more sharpened, the more seasoned, the more experienced fighter, the more proven product. Um, deeper resume, yada, yada. You guys know I like all those things, so that shouldn't be a surprise there. Um... Which is why I end up siding with him. Also, uh, body, it's, it's, here's the thing though. This is like, I I know Sean Strickland seems like kind of like a headhunter because of the jabs and stuff. So you kind of like, you know, with Robert Whitaker, it was like the, you know, it's like that, um, that family member who's like, you know, who's got a good reputation, but nobody wants to like, you know, nobody wants to like talk about their dark secret or whatever, you know, and like. Robert Whitaker, we all love Robert Whitaker, but nobody wanted to, like, acknowledge it. Like, he could go to the body and legs more, let's be honest, you know, or or at least the body more. And uh, he can kind of get wrapped in the head hunting. Now, Whitaker did more leg and body work than I realized in the beginning, but I think kind of gets away from it because the temperature just gets torn up, right? He also gets a kind of a parrying, open stance, uh, jabbing and checking jabbing read that he hits in the first round, and then he hits in the second round right before he gets clipped, actually. It's like the same motion. He's like, oh, I got the time. You see him like he's like, all right, I got the timing and length on this guy, and then he starts tagging him, and then he goes to repeat the same move that he literally just had success with, and he's just a smidge off, and it just clips him, and then you just see the, the whole ship kind of, kind of go downhill from there. Um, and as I write in my, uh, as I wrote in my breakdown about C too, it's not just his timing or awkwardness of technique. As awkward as he is, he is. I don't want to say so much smooth because he'll do like those like taekwondo jump style jump shifts where it's just like super obvious you're in open stance and you're just like jump shifting. Like he will do that shit. But at the same time, he will also seamlessly in his own way shift stances to where fighters that are they're already having trouble like getting a beat on him and then they have even further trouble now because now he's changing the distances. And not only does he change the distance, but he does the thing that open stance and even southpaws lack doing which is the southpaw jab, and he actually will southpaw jab a lot, and he'll do those checking shots, which was smart against Rob because we saw Cannoneer in his moments of success, right? Those leg kicks that Drakus was landing on Rob, and the checking right hands, Uh, coming forward right hands as well, lead right hands, right, what we just talked about, Uh, Cannoneer, those were his moments of success against Rob Whitaker as well. So this guy, his head's in the right place, you know? Like I was saying, like, uh, wrestling, scrambling, like his position, his positional in wrestling is kind of <laughs> like he doesn't prioritize fundamental wrestling defense, and his fundamental wrestling offense isn't the greatest. You see it like when his, his bad lateral drop stuff or whatever. Um, but what I do defend him is that like his head is in the right spot. You know, like he is attacking in the in the right positions. He's doing the right kind of change ups, and they're very heavy change ups. Um, and what he will do is he'll prioritize submission over position, but just in the theme of dragus is of things that aren't supposed to work, right? It's supposed to be position over submission. But the reason why he doesn't prioritize fundamental wrestling defense and why I say that, is because when you look at it, and you can see this going back to his regional tape footage too. You see it in his early UFC fights where he's using the uh uh the double wrist lock, Kimura. Um to, to, you know, to, to spin guys over. He's using the guillotine attempts, pass or fail, with Robert Whitaker. Um, he uses submissions to get you know, leg locks, even, he'll go for. He uses them to get on top and hit reversals. So, even though he seems like the more lower percentage choices, he's using them in really smart ways. Like, he's not trying to finish the leg lock. He wasn't even trying to finish the Kimura. Um, but what he does do nicely is he uses it to just gorilla his way to reversing, because most guys aren't snatching those things up, right? You know, which is why, like, submission grapplers, whether it's Paul Craig or Andre Muniz for his run, when you focus on snatching up a limb at divisions like middleweight or higher, like, you can snatch those limbs, right? It's, it's what you're going to do with them. And um, Duplicy, uh, you know, as uh, <laughs> duplicitous as it may be, uh, makes it fucking work, man. Makes it fucking work. He grabs, He grabs on and he will reverse. Um, which makes it really interesting because Strickland is a, is a really underrated scrambler. He will kind of give his back. So I wonder if Duplessy is going to, you know, try to suplex him and Matt return him down. Or if uh, Duplessy has found more efficient ways, I think he can do it. But if he's not, you know, going to game over Strickland on the ground, which again, I don't want to say Duplessy doesn't have a game over game because he kind of has like the, you know, supercharged finishing abilities the guy just can find finishes like crazy he's probably one of the most dangerous finishers pound for pound in any division as much as you might dislike him or his style that's that's a fact so it's for that alone it's hard to say that he's not a game over grappler like skill wise he's obviously not a Damian Maya or anything like that right um and even though his ground and pounds good it's not like you know um he's been necessarily Mark Colemaning his way through although you know Derek Brunson finishes with some ground and pound, although Derek Brunson was kind of arguably done before that, which is why his corner smartly threw the towel. Uh, it was a boxing coach corner, of course, that threw that towel, right? Uh, but yeah, uh, so Duplessis is going to be live. He's going to be live for those first two, maybe even three rounds. I just put the first half of the fight, um, but I think Strickland can pull away. And I even picked him to get a. I put surprising finish because he usually... You know, he usually doesn't really get the finishes. He's more of a decision guy, obviously. But um Strickland's really been finding his own. Not just looking like he's in better shape. He looks like in the best shape of his life for this fight. But really going back to watch his last few fights, he's throwing with much more power. And you're almost seeing Strickland find his own confidence. Now, <laughs> fortunately, it's leading him to be, you know, much more boisterous outside of the cage. But as far as inside the cage goes, you could almost watch it. And you see him, you know, in, in all kind of... um what do you call culminates in that Adesanya fight where he's really, you know, I, I, I love it. As far as a fight narrative goes, you have my guy, Eric Nixick there giving you know, great corner advice. Uh, you, you feel the intensity, you know, you could, you could sense how bad he, he wants it, you know? um, I forget what it was, what fight it was, but with uh, f- with, uh, with f- Mark Henry, was the same way, and John Attic was like, you could tell Mark Henry wants this one, you know? I love when you see that, especially from guys who have been there so many times, you know? Um, and then Strickland, he's like not even taking a stool, and he's getting more calm because he's getting more confidence. Like, I can do this. He's like, I can do this. You know? And uh, I hate to quote uh, Teddy Atlas about, you know, getting better as the champion, you know, you get tempered, whatever that saying is, right? But... Uh, You know, part of me wouldn't be surprised there. The other intangible, obviously, is, like, the mental one with uh, the bad blood. Um, We've seen that affect fights, right? Where, you know, we think it's going to be bad blood, and they just go to decision, right? We saw that recently. And it's not a diss. It's a good thing. You know, it was a a lesson from Leon Edwards, Colby Covington, too, that uh, Eric Nixick took the time to impart to his uh, pupil there in Strickland. But that mixed with Strickland's style, like I said, typically going to decision. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes to the decision either. Which is again, why I'm like just staying away from this fight. But the official pick is for Sean Strickland to get a stoppage in uh, round four, is what I picked. Don't think it'll be a part of my round robin, even if I extend to a fiver. Um, but uh, but we'll see. I'll let you guys know, as per usual, where I'm leaning for that. Of course, the odds, by the way, I didn't even give the odds. Sorry. Um, we've got a uh, minus minus one hundred and five, Strickland minus one fifteen. So yeah, I-, I said earlier in the week when it was more clear that uh, don't be surprised to see it flip. It's trending that way. We'll see if it actually flips. But if it flips, I don't think it'll be by much. Like I predicted, it would close like pretty much just the opposite of that. This where Duplisey will be minus one fifteen, and Strickland will be minus one hundred and five. All right, next fight, maida Maida Bueno Silva Chitara minus three hundred and sixty raquel pennington the punch baby the <laughs> plus 140 i say that with all love you know i've been a rocky defender although apparently she did been did she really say some shit too with this press like, that's why i'm tuning out this week because i'm like what rocky uh, mexican-american is telling people to speak english like i don't i'm like wait what is going on has everybody lost the plot um and i know myra but herself was obviously talking some shit but is she talking shit really or is she just Speaking the truth, you know, is she? Are they just asking her, Myra Buena Silva, what color is this guy? And she's she's telling you blue, man, but she ain't fucking holding back about it. <laughs> I love me some Sheetara, man. Um, you know, we'll see this weekend. She's got to come through, obviously. Spoiler, you guys can tell which way I'm leaning, despite again being quietly high and quietly backing both these ladies. Have been to keep abusing the Q word as I do, quiet little money trains for your boy here. Uh no, obviously I like the my- Maeda Bueno Silva side. I released my Action Network co-main uh, betting preview, um, and yeah, um, I like Shitara. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's just reminding me of that uh, Family Guy's Thundercat skit, um, which I love because obviously Chitara is Chitara, based off of '80s cartoon kids, but uh, where he was like uh, <laughs> Chitara is like, hey Lionel, what's going on? He's like. Hmm, i don't know mumra is up to something and <laughs> she's like all right keep an eye on it i'm gonna go use the john <laughs> he's like eye of thundera or if we're doing the mma version eye of thundera give me sight beyond sight and he uses his like fucking sword special ability to, like to watch her pee like i love family guy like, it's just like typical dan tom shit like take something we love from childhood and totally pervert it right <laughs> he's like just like perving on her going to the bathroom and like Snarf comes. Snarf, snarf. What are you doing there, Dino? <laughs> oh, hey, Snarf. I uh, nothing. You want to get wasted or something? <laughs> Fucking classic. Sorry. All right, Dan. I had nothing to do with the breakdown. Anyways, um, yeah. By the way, you you guys know, 'cause is fighting. I'm going with Thundercat's GIF for the uh for the bet tweet theme this this uh this week. So best believe that. Uh, but yeah, man. Shitar is somebody I've been high on, you know. Um, since she got on the scene, uh, she caught my eye. And by the time uh, she was coming up to fight Montana De La Rosa, which, again, it's like at the no contest with Holly Holm, we know what happened there. And even the, that draw with Montana De La Rosa, like, it's... That's a bad scorecard, man. It was really bad. That was one of the... Uh, oof. Uh, amongst Dan's run, especially with the MMA cards, where it's like, you will not find... A, forget my bets side. You will not find a draw. Out there, where one person like outside of maybe like Frank Yeager, Gray or too, maybe that is. Like, you won't find it if someone who like got a draw where like one person clearly got the shit beat out of him, <laughs> Like it was bad. Like I know Montana Del Rosa can can bust up, you know, not easily, but you know she's looked bad after fights before. But oh man, Myra Buena Silva busted her up on that one. Um. You know, you look at the context of, like, whether it was, like, short notice, camp changes on some of those other fights where she was still competitive and did much better than the unanimous decision scorecards led on with the Manon Fiotto fight. Fiotto is now fighting for a contender spot. It was a giant flyweight, and, you know, Buena Silva, you know, that division just wasn't for her. She was apparently killing herself to get down there. I know she's not the biggest band weight, but she did start her career there, and she technically is undefeated there. She's 7-0-1 with that... No contest to Holly Holm, so she essentially is eight and zero undefeated at bantamweight. Uh, At the at the the division, she should be. And even though you could argue that Pennington maybe struggles when there's other you know um, fighters who can match her athleticism, right? Um, Obviously, when you can match skill, you become a problem and or superior in skill, like with strikers. Uh, But Pennington is very boxing centric, you know, wrestle boxer centric. You know, she's got actually. You know, some decent, um, like, uh, head and, bi- and like, body middle kick defense. Like, because she trains from a Muay Thai gym. You can see she's got, like, the pass-throughs trained in with her boxing style. But at the end of the day, she just has that really crouch-heavy, dip-heavy boxing style. And as she's gotten her wrestling better, both defensively and offensively, that's only accentuated the wrestle-boxing um, style of Pennington. I'm going to give this a retweet while we're uh, live here. And, uh, <clears throat> you know... Not just the death taxes and wrestle boxers dipping into knees and kicks, especially from the southpaw side. Of course, Bueno Silva uh, can uh, kick from both sides as an orthodox fighter and then she will also fight from southpaw where she'll do like southpaw double attacks, which is really apropos, right? Uh, where she'll do the front stabbing teeps, which Pennington has some underrated ones. That's probably one of her better kicks, quietly. But also, won't, uh, that and obviously leg kicks are Pennington's not great at defending. And, uh, Bueno Silva is a consistent leg and body worker. So um <laughs> uh, code. the sport code is back. Yes, stacked MMA on Twitter. Drake Riggs, Stylin DT. Way too kind. I forget I get more you guys uh more you guys uh watching through Twitter than anything else. So appreciate you. Um breaking down the main card of hashtag. We, we don't have a producer. or a one-man show. This is what you do, folks. You fight through uh, infections and produce your own tweets while you're doing your own show. It's fantastic. All right. Thank you guys for all joining me. Hit that like button. But yeah, Myra Silva she's a body and leg worker. Um, so even though Raquel Pennington's got an excellent chin, cardio, and durability uh which is I, i'm guessing is the one thing making people tentative about betting Buena Silva in this spot that or they're not sold on her yet because i'm i was actually surprised like um i jumped on at minus 160 which is still a good line for what's out there but i thought it was going to blow up to 2 to 1 easily um and the house that i got minus 160 all my other houses were worse they actually went down to like minus 157 for a second they're back to minus 158 so, you know, if I want to, like, CLV myself and be like, oh, I didn't get the... like, It's whatever. You know, it opened at minus 120, so, I mean, I'm already late to the party. But close enough to playable chalk for me, right? And even though Pennington is durable, I still think that Shitara has a style, like I said in the Holly Holm fight, I think she has a style that can... Like, she'll take her pockets to recoup, but she's not really, like, a a, a, a gasser, and especially going up to Bantamweight. Um, and, uh... Training an American top team, doing the conditioning there. Um, just looking in killer shape, having those bodies, you know. So she still has her shoot box style, like Charles DuBronx's game, with, you know, she uses that body and leg work to feed people to bring them into her clinch where she can elbow, feed in the front chokes and all, all that. She still took that from the Diego Luma, Lima shoot box for former camp. But now working with Pujumpina, Pujumpa, uh, Marcos D'Amato over the American top team, we've seen her jujitsu and It's much more processed. Even, you know, in that Lena Landsberg fight, I know she ended it by a leg lock that looked like a hail mary, but it was it was it was a fine setup and it was a fine chain off of a, you know, a couple failed attempts. She chained, chained, changed, so she gets it. It's a really dangerous style, um, and Raquel Pennington really hasn't had to face that too much. You know, she never really had to face Ronda Rousey for where she was around that end, and. Now she's facing the girl that's on the verge of breaking Ronda Rousey's armbar record with just one more armbar, right? Uh, Chitara Bueno Silva is, that is. And as far as kickers go, she's never really faced that great of kickers. I mean, there was Holly Holm, who she lost to twice, and even in, in those fights, at least in the second one especially, there wasn't a lot of kicks, and she still lost, right? Um, other fighters who can kick competently, Amanda Nunes obviously busted up her leg. GDR uh, did some damage on her leg, even though she didn't even kick all that much it seemed but she was able to damage it like there are fights where there's fighters that i, I mean i think even aspen lad was even to get some stuff off to the leg which was weird considering as aspen lad a and aspen lad was actually fighting open stance so she was doing back to that weird cannoneer open stance outside leg kick thing and like even she was still hitting raquel pennington's leg so as good as an experience and as underrated as raquel pennington is and i say she is There are just certain truths. Does it mean, like, every southpaw is going to dip into a southpaw kick? Like, No, of course not, Dan. But there are certain truths with certain, like, styles, like being a wrestle boxer, you know? It's just going to be natural. If you're a jab-heavy boxer, it's going to be naturally harder to defend leg kicks. If you're a crouch-heavy boxer, uh, whether you're a wrestle boxer or not, like uh, Ross Pearson was real heavy with the crouch, right? And those knees, like, Paul, even though you can argue about the scorecard, right, you'd say Ross Pearson probably should have won that or whatever, you make arguments about that split with Felder, but I remember like, you know, those having those knees and those, those center line shots up the middle came in real useful for that, and Pearson wasn't even like a big takedown guy, but it's that, you know, Pennington has both. She's got the Ross Pearson, and she's got the wrestle boxing sensibilities, and both those things are going to just feed from all phases to her leg kicks, to the body kicks, to the knees, to the head kicks. Um... And and then what does Pennington do? She smothers her opponent's work, but she also smothers her work. Even when she's getting off, like, I'm always like, I also hate it, whether it's the, you know, commentary, people scoring online, pundits, colleagues alike, to the general pop fans, everybody that just misses the counters and the good work Raquel Pennington's doing. But at the same time, I can't really blame them because the second Raquel Pennington hits her sweet, like, uppercut hook counter return, she's immediately closing into the clinch. And, again, that was Holly Holmes' trend as she, you know, uh, was going. And I'm like, that's going to be bad news against a fighter like Bueno Silva. Now, even though Pennington isn't as physical, she's much more skilled than Holly Holm in the clinch. Um, I'd say even in the takedowns, but especially in the striking in the clinch, right? Pennington's really good with collar ties, dirty boxing. She'll hit elbows of her own. Um, she's got some decent and deceptive knees of her own. Although, I'd say Buena Silva has the more powerful ones. From either position, whether she has her back to the fence or not, um, though Pennington has some good ones there too, um, and uh, you know, it was nice to see her rewarded for that too, by the way, in one of her closer decisions. But um, but I just think that's you know, Pe- Bueno Silva may be the one bad fighter to do that against. And again, Pennington might have the size in this equation, but. I don't think she has the skills, and two, it's usually, okay, how does she stack up with size and skills to her, you know, size, athleticism, and skills to her opposition? The one thing she doesn't really have to question too much is the speed, because even though she's not given credit for that or a lot of things Pennington is, she's got really deceptive hand speed, which again, which is another reason why it's so frustrating when she, uh, even though there's good work she does in the clinch, it's also frustrating that she, she just seems so auto-triggered to smother into the clench. Because, you know, I feel like she should be a little more confident in that hand speed. Let it fly. Let it pop. But against Bueno Silva, she's going to be probably at a speed disadvantage. Not only is it going to be nullified, she might even be at a disadvantage. I mean, I was just watching some of her pad work, and she's working with a lot of the boxing coaches now um, at American Top Team. And that part of her game is definitely taking a step up, right? Like, the Muay Thai stuff transferred over, the clench and the kicks, right? But now we're seeing a lot of that that ATT... uh, uh, boxing coaching uh, being instilled into her. You know, they're, she's fighting for a title. You know they're giving her all the best attention. She's got much more bodies, female bodies, than, than you know, as good as, you know, shoot box Diego Lima may be, right? As much as we like their fun action fighters for the ladies, I don't I don't know any of the ladies coming out of there, right? So this is all good things for Bueno Silva. Um, so even though Pennington, you know, she's only been finished twice, and even in the Nunez one, it's like, dude, it took to the f- fifth round. It was Amanda frickin' Nunez. Uh, she was asking out, and, like, she still, you know, the fight still didn't end. It took, like, a crazy mercy stoppage. Like, you're like, are you really going to bet inside the distance? Like, I, I recommended inside the distance, but I all, this is one of the few times where I didn't didn't bet, bet what I recommended because I already exposed myself again on the money line. Um, I went heavy. I, mean, I was even considering maybe even going heavier. I don't know. We'll see. Probably not because I added, added more than I thought. But I went 3.75 units on Sheetara. I mean, this is a big bet on Sheetara. It reminded me of almost the the size of the bet I had on Pantoja straight up, uh, untracked. Because, again, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I don't get the best options by the time I I hit the counter after I talk to you guys, right? Um, And, uh, yeah, so at minus 160, I got 3.75 units. But what I did do, what I did do, uh, was now I adjusted it? I went three, four, five last time with home, and I realized how dangerous Shitara is. And I'm like, I probably should have went two, three, four. And then with this one, I initially went to go three, four, five as well because Pennington is durable. So it's gonna, in theory, she's durable. It's gonna take longer, right? However, I'm like, you know what? You could also make the argument because Pennington gets better if it gets to round five and round four. We've got a competitive fight. Maybe something went wrong at that point. You never know, right? Um. So, I did end up adjusting. Uh, I ended up taking Shitara round two, three, four. But for Scotty Pippins, because they were less better numbers, and I am confident in Shitara, and that's part of the reason why, even though I wanted to go even higher than 3.75, I didn't, because I'm still ending up with almost five units exposure. Once you incorporate the just short of one unit exposure of three, Scotty Pippins will give you at round three Shitara plus 850.33U, or round two uh, Shitara plus 850.33U, round three Shitara. Uh, plus 1100.33U round 4 Shitara plus 1400.33U the reason why i didn't play sub even though that's probably the most likely a path is because i believe that she could also get a TKO um and i'm exposed to the money line cuz i believe she could still win the decision I, do, I really do believe that um so i kicked for coverage there but i do believe the TKO is live even though Raquel Pennington is really durable again Getting hit by someone just faster, younger, with that pop uh, can really not having that speed advantage. Maybe there's something you don't see. There's always those shots that can set up the club and sub. But um, as far as TKO goes, aside from the classic WMMA head kick KO, which is you know not just more common than the leg kick TKO that I'm about to throw out, or even punch TKOs like Jessica Andraj, Kovalkiewicz, right? Like The head kick TKO is probably the most prevalent KO... In WMMA, has probably a higher percentage of the pie than it does in the men's KO percentages, right? Um, Oddly slash not so oddly enough, right? Uh, So there's always that, again, with the dips and all that stuff. Um, The body work, which I think plays... I think more body work and punches play more in a club and sub. Uh, But the main TKO, KO pathways that I see, and the reason why I didn't specify with my rounds with the prop coverage, is, again, the head kick KO and leg kick uh, TKO. I mean, Pennington... Pennington's legs just, like, bruise up crazily. She had that accident from her snowboarding leg or whatever, so it just does not take damage well. doesn't wear damage well. She doesn't defend it well. And Chitara, even we saw it with a Fioro fight, Mano Fioro, as good of a striker she is, she's not even in the same stance. They were constantly open stancing each other, switching. Uh, Fioro's much more in and out, harder to hit, more limber, more switchy. All that stuff didn't stop Buenos Silva. She just attacks legs like second nature. Open stance, close stance, southpaw, orthodox, she's southpaw, she's orthodox. It don't matter. And over five rounds, that's where I see more of the late round stoppages, you know, even if you played around five for Shitara. Um, that's where like the late rounds four and five, that's what the late kick TKOs, I think, can come really come into play. But yeah, I just uh I shotgun sprayed the middle, three, uh, two, three, and four. Because again, if Pennington style matches up, to the wood chipper, the way I think it is. Um, I just feel like there's it's just too many hurdles. There's just too much shit she's got to get through to make it through to a decision uh, to wear down Bueno Silva, if that is, in fact, the way to beat her, right? Um, so, yeah, big on Shitara here. Um, Going to touch on your guys' comments in a bit before I shoot through the rest of the main card. Uh, oh, about the uh, shell, uh, Jesus. Uh, I don't like the Mayweather comparisons. I don't know, you know, those. I'm not saying you are, but a lot of people... Uh, you know, corporate the Philly show. Um, Strickland's is, is it's, it's not even so much of that because he uses more, he uses long guard just as much as he uses uh, his, more, I would say than he uses his shoulders to block, you know, look at guys like uh, Mads Burnell, Ilya Zaporia, Bobby Green, um, who demonstrate not, you know, Bobby Green is an obvious one, but even, like, just principles of the Philly show, you'll see it show up in guys like Mads Burnell's game a lot. Um, even as is worth seeing, too, right? Like, actually knowing how to use the shoulder um, as far as principally. But, A, it's not a really style that necessarily translates apples to apples, nor really should it. And I feel like more educated people on the boxing side would, than me would tell you that. Um... Uh, but B, like I think even Sean Strickland himself has called it like a cocksucker guard or whatever, like jokingly, but um, because he he, hold, he he's like he's like very much like this now, like my my Muay Thai coach, who I'm gonna be getting back in lessons with, uh, hopefully ahead of my Thailand trip, um, he would have, he had me holding, He always told me like hold, not so much like Strickland, but he's like more like a, you're holding a bazooka, you know, like a, like you're holding a bazooka, and it has much more of a centered way, and you can still, you can still parry, come up, pass through, everything is still here. But Strickland is more here, and that still gives him the weird jab angles, and he can still utilize the turn here if he wants to, which is really dangerous. I feel like Duplessis could follow one of his jab retractions and hit him with the right hand. I think that's the analysis read um, that I and I imagine many are picking up on, and so no one should be surprised if that outcome happens. But yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm real careful to use boxing terminology because there's like boxing heads that I'll be real quick to correct you and me out there. But good question nonetheless, uh, Jesus M. Um, let us see, let's see, Jimmy Kuto, I picked up on some film, too. Let's see, all right, Pepe Silva, what's up? Uh, brought brought back the blazer, you handsome devil, thank you, Pepe Silva. Uh, yeah, i try, try to bring it back for the pay-per-view weeks, and I've been trying to wear it more generally for, like, when I shoot the videos for Junkie. Um, we'll see, I'm, I'm, I, dude, I, I found this, uh, sweet, uh, suit place in Phuket, And it's, like, one of, like, the the, uh, good recommended ones for, like, you get good, cheap suit fits. And I was, like, how close is this to Bangtown? It's, like, four-minute walk down the street. I'm, like, fuck, yeah, I'm going to go check that place out. So, uh, I mean, I don't think I'll be getting that dressed up for these things, maybe for other things. But, yeah, you know, trying to fucking be an adult a little more. Why not, I guess. Thank you, though. Rain Lamina. so I have picked up some film techniques from you, Ghost, and Jack Slack. I listen and watch all the time, and it's kind of rubbing off on me. Hopefully they're good, and they're... You know, it's fruitful uh, for whatever goal you have, uh, Rain. Thank you, though. Jimmy Kudo says, Do you think Strickland is better moving forward than he is when he's getting pushed back? I actually think um, he was better moving backward, but since he's been training with Eric Nixick, he's much more better at moving forward. Something I noted in my breakdown was that, and I said it before, um, because a lot of the analysis, even from people I respect, you'd hear that Sean Strickland follows in straight lines. And if you read my prior analysis... I always was really key to put. He can sometimes follow in straight lines because he sometimes does for sure. But this is why you always got to constantly refresh and watch the tape. If you've been watching since he's been training with Eric, um, shout out to MMAI who really you know brought it, you know brought attention uh, as far as like really putting media out there and stuff to kind of explain the uh, Nick Six striking system. Uh, after you know researching and, and and investing in it himself, of course. Um yeah, you see fighters you use Nick Six word geography there, uh kind of their ring geography, air quotes there. Improve. And we've seen that with Sean Strickland and that was a huge key with the Adesanya matchup. Um with keeping that invisible pressure, um and that uh keeping that keeping that cooking range on him uh whilst he, whilst still keeping him corralled. Um so yeah, uh now it's probably uh 50-50 I would say. Uh, Jin Karasu, Strickland likes to reach for things which stop the straight from hitting uh, opponents. Uh, do you think someone with a good left hook or a switch kick can give him trouble? Uh, yes, but again, you have to. And again, what Jin Karasu is referring to is the long guard. I was referring to. He uses more of long guard uh, action to really stop um, a lot of the a lot of the shots too, as well. Um, and it's like yes, but it's it's not that easy. Like it's not even that as easy as like jabbing off of a hook or doing that slick jab and then lead head kick setup, right? Uh, although left-sided shots do seem to be the thing, whether it's uh, Dos Santos, right? He spun he spun kick with the right, which means he hit Sean on the right side for a, a left-sided strike, which is the same side up a Poetan left hook would hit, right? So good read there, Jin Karasu. But, you know, what Poetan did was he changed up targets. He went to the body to manipulate the guard, for one, to get Sean playing in those two extremes of long shell, long, and you, you catch someone tripping, going, right, just like in jiu-jitsu, high, low, high, right, they're sitting on their butt, they're a really good guard player, you know, um, you grab their head, they're gonna know what to do, you, you put that collar tie pressure on, You know, they're gonna go under you, right, so maybe you do that, just to get them to go high, and then you go low real quick, get their, you know, grab the bottom of their Achilles, pull their heel up, get them off base, try to get a beat, step around a pass or something, you just, you're just you changing things up, right, um, and Pareto was doing the striking equivalent of that by not just changing the targets up but changing his positioning up to kind of like that passing situational that I just gave, but he's doing the standing aversion, he's circling with that body jab, he's circling with that body jab, he's making you move and change your guard system. So there's a lot of manipulation there, a lot of play in the long game, you know, he made it look easy, but it was not easy what Powhatan did to Strickland, uh, otherwise much more people would have done that to Strickland. Rios was in Truesdale, are you familiar with the Tozy pass? Drikas did, oh, yeah, 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 Drikas did that to Whitaker after he had an arm through. Roger Gracie used to do that all the time in ADCC. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I saw someone highlight that. Um, I didn't realize the name for it. I have heard both the name and obviously familiar with the technique. Yeah, that was really good. Drikas is, um, someone was posting also Drikas grappling footage earlier too. So, yeah, the guy's clearly just a gorilla on the ground. And, uh, again, his head's in the right place. You know, he's a big, you know, big lug, but doesn't mean he's not doing, you know, Doesn't mean he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, James Kendrick, I noticed that Drakus uses a toe hold when someone tries to heel hook him, and Donkey Kong, his way out. Is it a strange look? Right? No, it's a natural look. Uh, Again, it's everything's a strange look with Drakus, but his head's in the right place in the sense of he uses that counter to, I believe, in that situation, get on top. Although that was just super comical. My guy Dan Albert was in here in the chat referencing that as the Maeda Torres. Um, with him and Brunson, I believe that fight is you're referencing, but yeah. Uh, the duplicity of duplicy, that's a good one. I know, I, I need to remember this for my writing to get, to help, uh, beef it up. My writing could definitely use all the help it could get, but, uh, I need to remember that one, right, Rain Lamina? Thank you for that, though, the, the duplicity of duplicity. Um, did you, Jimmy Kudo, did you mention wrestle boxer Is a Pennington going to rear hand? Did you, do you mention wrestle boxer Is Pennington going to rear hand? To rear kick and dip into the southpaw side, that that could work. Yeah, that, that trick could work. The you put you 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 hit the you know that that, that southpaw double attack, the punch and left kick, and uh, I think I've seen Bueno Silva done, do a mess with a little bit of that in the Holly Holm fight, even actually, um, if memory serves. But yeah, those tricks are generally good things you want to do against a wrestle boxer, encourage their slips, and then start sneaking in the kicks behind there. Again, playing the long game, right, making them manipulate their guards, seeing where they're going first. Uh, Synchro Wing. how ironic is that the co-main has two openly lesbian fighters while strictly made events? Um, took that from Open Note Grapple, who is amazing. Open Note Grapple is amazing. Uh, I didn't read it because I, I, I don't want to pollute my, uh, not pollute, Jesus, I would be helping my analysis by reading his before I did mine. Uh, but uh, I didn't want to, uh, you know, uh, pollute my my own filter of writing, so to speak, right? Um, but um I do try to share out uh and I did this week, uh open note grapple stuff anytime I can, as well as my other fellow analysts, because it's how it should be in this community, man. We should we should um help each other. You guys aren't obligated to share my shit, by the way. I'm just saying, you know, in a perfect world it's just nice to help each other and I like uh sharing out good stuff. Um Ronan Curtis, Dan in the Blazer. Wow. Hey, what's up, Ronan? Thank you for that. Alright, we're gonna get back to the breakdown though. Um all right. Speaking of lighting up the scene, we got Mike Malat, Bright Malat, White Malat in the house, baby. Minus three sixty. Neil Mag, Mag, Magne. Plus two eighty five. I, I, I'm not. You know, I, I got to be careful. There's a. I don't want anybody to feel attacked out there. And um, then I'm coming at uh Mike Malat or his race. No one's under attack, people. Relax. I'm actually a really big fan of Mike Malat. I know you got to take interviews with a grain of salt, but not that this guy seem like a salt-of-the-earth type of dude, right? But, like, I think it was his interview on Anik Florian Pod about two weeks ago. They did a really good one. Shout-out to that podcast over there. Um, but, like, they did a really good interview with him, and I just want to go back, and I'm going to actually just to write down some of the things and the mental tools and perspectives that you can hear him practicing and talking about and the mantras and stuff. I, I And it's not even sounding like woo-woo or, like, Falsely or fake about it, like you're just really genuine and down to earth about it, uh not preachy or anything like that. Like I don't know what it is, like it, the guy's just fucking sharp, man. And I know that's just interviews and fights can happen and yada yada. You take those things with a grain of salt, but when you have a fighter like Magny, and the question basically becomes, you know, what the fighter like magni is going to do, and and they become not the gatekeeper so much as they become the IQ test, right? When you have the IQ test matchup, we have to look at not just the skills, but even the behavior, the fight IQ, right? I don't like getting lost in the weeds in the armchair psychology, like I said off the top of the breakdown of this card. But, like, yeah, you got to think of that a bit when it comes to these type of matchups, right? Can you avoid the Magni clinch, right? And, you know, Mike Malott could fall into it. We've seen weirder things happen. Magni could win this fight. We've seen much weirder things happen, folks. However, I do believe Mike Mullot. I do believe in him and his skills. Uh i and that he's smart enough to stay out of the traps. Does it mean he's gonna win? Of course not. Does it guarantee him a finish or a certain method or a certain round? No, of course not. Otherwise I'd be betting it. Spoiler alert. I'm staying away from this one because even though I'm a believer in Malott, uh the bright future of Bright Mullot. Uh, um I I it is still a wait and see for the money line the matchup and ultimately um the strength of competition right uh I just want to see more still you know you hear great things the guy you know really improved his ground game um you know really improved his striking fundamentals really has that beautiful left hook he's got that he's got that proprioception that I talk about too that's really natural to find things as well but also the technique technical skill and the knowledge to connect those dots those are all three different things that can all work together very dangerously so for that reason i'm gonna pick mike malott here and i'm gonna pick him i'm probably being somewhat hopeful i have a feeling it's gonna be another first round finish i feel like that's probably another reason why i'm not betting it because i feel like getting priced out i'll pick mike malott in round two but I'm hoping we at least get to round two, if not round three, regardless of the result, because this is just honestly a wait and see spot. Where from an analyst to a better, to a fan, I just genuinely want to see more from Mike Molot. So I'm gonna pick him here, to leg kick, and left uh, to, to 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 circle jab and left hook when Magny comes in on him, and maybe even change level if Magny comes in too hot after the leg kicks are, are bad or. You know, or if Magni just stumbles, it's all you need sometimes is just someone to stumble on the ground, right? You can almost get their back. I think Jim Miller almost did it to Gabriel Benitez before he finally got him down. Uh, sometimes it just happens, right, that you rush him out there and they just they just, they just fall down, you know? Um, but, yeah, uh, I'm going to pick Mike Malat here. I just don't like the price. I feel like we're priced out of Mike Mallott. Um Next fight, uh, Chris, Action Man, Curtis, minus 185. Mark andre Barreau, you Barry, you reminds me of uh, this band, Barry, bury, bury, bury you're dead. And they used to like, come out and, like, bury you're dead. <laughs> bury you're <fucking> dead. <laughs> and, you know, kids were just hardcore dancing. <laughs> Stupid shit. And I was just like, man, I wish I knew somebody named Barry so I could turn to him and be like, Barry, you're fucking dead. <laughs> Stupid joke, dad joke, I know. But, bury you, another another dad joke. Marc Andre Berryu is a uh, plus 154. Um. <laughs> uh, sorry, I just thought of a funny story. <laughs> of a time, I, I helped out a Canadian named Marc Andre, who I actually was, was thought because it was set up through somebody prominent in the MMA Circle. I was like, oh, it's going to be the guy that fights for the UFC. It was actually a different Marc Andre fighter, which was hilarious. Um, it was a nice dude, though. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, Marc-Andre Beria also seems like a nice dude. Also has gotten a lot better. So he is one and one against UFC. You guys can get the South Ball report here, baby. Because, again, um, no time. Uh, just being sick and, like, passing out midday. This is the first day I didn't pass out from this medication I'm on. So this is nice. We'll see. Hopefully I can stay alive here. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't joke about that. But, yeah, um, health is serious. But, yeah, uh, let's see, uh. Southpaw report, yeah. Chris Curtis is a Southpaw, so Marc-Andre Berriu. He is one and one against the UFC-level Southpaws. Of course, that is a split decision loss to Christoph Yatko, which was a really ugly fight. Well, a lot of it was in the clinch, and then the other one was his most recent win, which was against Eric Anders. Um, now, Yatko was able to hit him with, like, granted it was lead hand uppercuts as opposed to rear uppercuts, but that makes sense considering Berrio. Um this is a common thread, so, which I think... Curtis's uppercuts will be live because Bariel still uses a little high guard. He still dips. He still dips a lot with southpaws. Not as much as he was doing with Yutko and even other fighters. Like, I would watch some other fights from, like, Julian Marquez to other ones where, like, fighters would kind of briefly switch southpaw. And he just kind of would do the typical, like, I'm going to walk to the outside, throw a power right hand, and, uh... But he would get confused, and he would kind of, like, step into the right hand to shift to the southpaw. To, and he was like, do I want to close in the pocket Do I want to close in the clinch and he would like still have his high guard up, but he'd be dipping and almost swinging his way low into the midline, Uh, a pocket area, which I didn't like. He was just asking for headbutts like in his fights and Chris Curtis already gets a lot of headbutts in his fights. So I thought it was hilarious that Chris Curtis in his interview this week was like, oh, I'm already calling for headbutts in this fight. Like he already knows it's coming. You could see that in the tape. Like Barrio will headbutt people constantly in orthodox versus orthodox fights Much less a 5'10 southpaw like Chris Curtis. Oh my goodness, that's So, buyer beware on any side of this matchup. We could just end up with another weird no contest for the Chris Curtis luck. Especially, you know, uh, I don't want to say that actually because, you know, we're doing good. We're going to keep it rolling. But yeah, your boy did buy in to the Chris Curtis side here. Uh, I'm not telling you to follow me off this cliff, but the way I fortified my card, I'm actually bringing back parlays. And it's just a two-legger for plus money. But Chris Curtis is a part of that. That way I don't got to sweat how he does it. Um, but I will say, though, when I went went watch Mark Barrio against uh, Eric Anders to finish up the Southpaw report there for you guys, he did look much better. Now, it was different. It was weird because Mark Andre Barrio, as he does, and especially, which was the key to him turning around his last fight uh, prior to the Anders fight, which is against Julian Marquez, where I picked Marquez, I remember walking in, to like place some bets, like the day, because sometimes I don't get in there to the day of, right? Like, this is how last minute I'm going to the counter folks. So, like, the prelims are already going on, but you know, Dan, Tom, most of my action is like uh, on the main card, anyways. So that's what I'm going into play, right? I'm not, I'm not, you know, maybe I played some stuff on the prelims, and I think I played Marquez as a dog. I'm looking at my phone. I'm like, Marquez is lighting him up in the first round, and I'm walking in like a boss. Like, all right, trying to make, a, make some more money and just make some money, baby, making money while I'm walking. And I, of course, finally get into the sports book, and I'm looking up there, and I'm just like, you know, from reading all the tweets that are maybe like a minute dated behind, that Marquez is doing great, and like he just, he just dumps out, right? He like he dumps out in the first thirty seconds of round two. It just completely changes the dynamic, and you also have to give. Obviously credit to Burial, uh, who is par- uh, obviously part of the equation there and his pressure, right? Big part of the equation. Uh, and then he breaks down Marquez, and I go from, like, being in shock that I'm losing my bet to all of a sudden, like, not caring about my bet and going, Mark Smith, please just stop the fight. I don't care about my bet. Please, this is just stop stop uh, having Julian Marquez get hit. Like, Jesus Christ, I just rewatched it before getting on the pod today. even. Um, you know, so uh, there was that. But then against Anders, now he looks better because, again, he, he's – you know, by this time, he's not training Uh, whatever home camp. He was camp-hopping in Canada. Now he's uh, more fixed about four or five camps in deep with Kill Cliff at this point, right? So he looks much better against a southpaw. But it's still, like, typical stuff where he's not really jabbing as much as he's doing the typical, like, lean hand paw, which helps disguise the walk to get that outside angle as an orthodox fighter facing a southpaw. Um, and he does something really cool right off the bat, which he usually doesn't do. And I, I'm almost jealous because I remember... Like, when I first got into Muay Thai MMA kickboxing, like, in the mid-aughts, I was coming from traditional martial arts, so I was getting all the karate stuff trained out of me. And one of the karate things I would always do is, like, the way, like, Machida dropped Rashad, where you do the, which was the same way that, um, opposite stance, but the same way, actually, Barrio drops Anders. You do the high kick or middle kick, it doesn't matter. You get them the block, right? And you get the guard to already react and retract, And you bring the counterbalance punch before this punch. As this foot's setting down, before it even sets down, a punch from the same side is coming. Uh, Kind of the inverse of what someone in the chat said as far as the southpaw double attack, where the punch gets the guard up and the kick comes around. This is the opposite effect. You go kick and then punch, right? It's more karate counterbalance way. And uh, Barrio's busting that out, and he actually like momentarily drops Anders, and he goes through it a couple times in the fight. But to be honest, Anders actually had a little more success with the open lane left as the fight went on than Barrio did. But to Berrio's credit, he looked much more comfortable striking with the southpaw. But it was weird. He was much more back foot, which might be better against Chris Curtis because, you know, if he wants to try to replicate the Jack Hermanson fight and try to frustrate him. But I know her, not just because Curtis says so, because you got to take what fighters say to agree all all their interviews. But the people around Curtis too, you know, really done a lot of work. Speaking of Cage generalship with Eric Nixon, they're not going to let that slide at that gym, you know what I'm saying? Like, they've been working on that. So, it's still definitely uh, going to annoy Chris Curtis, and, you know, maybe it's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, play to the dude's emotions, right? Like, I'm not want to say all fair is love and war with what's been going on this fucking week. i got to be real careful about saying that now, right? But like, at the same time, like, yeah, tactically and stuff inside, within the confines of the rules, Yeah fucking fuck with them, right? Um that being said, uh, that would be the first time, you know, Mark Andrea Burial really did that kind of a fight and Hermanson has kind of had versions of that before, so maybe it wasn't as surprising as it was in, in hindsight. But uh I have a hard time seeing Burial do that. This isn't like uh nothing's a lock. I had never used that word. Um you should be confident if it's in a parlay. I'm just being realistic. You know, part of me is being... I healthily... It don't sound like this is a guy I'm betting on. It's just more me probably healthily counterbalancing things to be realistic about bets and being like, I am going go to cash. No problem. I'm my money. Uh, you know, but like, no, no, no. It's... Yeah, yeah. I'm not expecting you guys to follow me off this cliff, but I am parlaying Chris Curtis with someone coming up real soon. All right. Finishing out the main card, we have Arnold Almighty Allen. Plus 160... Uh, Mavzar Ivloyev, 192. Dude, I'm so old. I don't know who these YouTubers are, uh, who Sneeko is, and why he's talking about Evolev, uh why they're talking about 17-year-olds. I mean, just, we're one year away. can we just change whatever that was? I don't even know the conversation, but can, we're right there. can we just make it 18 at least? At least? <laughs> That's... I imagine it's still very questionable for whatever they were talking about. <laughs> like, why don't we have talk about underage uh, kids here, folks? This is weird. This is weird. Um, but, yeah, uh, I am too much of a boomer to keep up on that. As far as their fight styles go, it's real interesting. So, Ann Arnold's a southpaw, but Ivoyev is uh, 0-0 against UFC-level lefties. So, um, that is very interesting. Did go back to watch his fights. And um, left-sided strikes do seem to be what hit him the most. Now, again, spoiler alert, I know my foreplay is bad. I'm picking and I'm playing Allen. Boom! wow, where did that come from? Uh, again, uh, the wrestle-boxer dynamic is live here as well because even though he doesn't really face southpaws or kickers, um, not that Allen is a kicker, but he's got good kicks, right? Good southpaw kicks. And that could be really handy against a wrestle-boxing, dipping-and-diving guy like Movzar Evloyev. Um <clears throat> But uh, left-sided strikes, oddly enough, hit Evoloid the most. Now, most of these are punches because, again, he faced a lot of kickers. But he's had some close calls with kicks, too. And, again, why is that? Why left side? Because, again, he's orthodox, wrestle box, dip. If I'm orthodox dipping to my right, I am dipping to my opponent's left. It's kind of that simple, folks. Forensic fighting uh, breakdown right here. Today we're just doing some basic forensic guy shit right there. And left sided strikes are the more common culprit. I wouldn't say by a large disproportionate level, but yeah, they, they definitely hit him some fierce. Um, you know, he's faced some guys with some good left hooks, like Ige, granted, you know. Uh, but uh, but yeah, like uh Duadu uh was piecing him up a bit in round three. Um Diego Lopez had moments in round one and three. Uh, on the feet and especially on the ground. I mean, for a second there it was like death taxes and um uh evil. Evelo of having a fight life or death out of a out of a close submission catch in the first round, right? Like the front chokes especially. Um which again, Alan, my guy my my guy uh Mads Brunel, who I was looking like a genius, I already I already cashed Maz Brunel on dog money when people were counting him out, you know, plus two thirty or plus two seventy five to like Mike Rodriguez or whoever it was, remember? And, I was one of the only people on Mads for that card. Like people say not only Mads not good, oh he just does jujitsu and I'm like, No, this guy's a good boxer and he was boxing up Allen, hitting takedowns, and it was ironically the jujitsu where he got uh he got caught, right? Um, but even though that was an L for Mads and Mads supporters, you know, it, it definitely still arguably put mads on the map, proved people like me right, uh, who was amongst the early Mads uh guys out there and supporters even before like Seeing him regularly at the gym uh, or anything like that before meeting him in person. None of that bias or anything had anything to do with it. It's just my my eyes, my taste or whatever. Um, but yeah, and we really haven't had to see him have that fight. So I get like, okay, let's not lean too much into Arlen at Arnold Allen's takedown defense. Because he hasn't been tested. And sure, maybe I would have liked a little more hand fighting. Uh against some of the Nick Lex takedown attempts, but he also didn't really need it. He's so strong and balanced with his base and his other fundamentals are well in place from underhooks, wizards, um, knowing how to play along the fence. And even going back to his like uh, cage warriors days, uh, Arnold Allen's always been an incredible, uh, incredibly uh, avid scrambler. Um, And that's only gotten better. I know he's only like a purple belt or whatever. But like is not really a jiu-jitsu guy either. I know he's hinting at improving those parts of his game, which he should be if he's going to be, you know, the uh, wrestling so heavy. Even though he's got good ground and pound, he's essentially the Russian Frankie Edgar. You guys have heard me refer to Yves Loev. So I don't have a problem with him being favored. I definitely get it. I'm actually kind of surprised he's not more favored just because Allen doesn't fight a lot and stock is low on Allen because he's coming off of a loss. But I like Arnold Allen here, man. He's shown to have comebacks in round three throughout his career. On the regional scenes, he has round three finishes. In the UFC, he has round three finishes. And he even has unofficial round three finishes, like uh, against Yeltsin Meza. He actually knocked out Yautzen Meza in round three. Go back and watch it. It's similar to OSP Dominic Reyes, uh, except there's even more of a case where, like, Herb Dean does uh, does the right thing to his credit and at least gives OSP the chance to get up himself and says, if you don't get up, you're on your own. Considered a TKO and OSP goes oh shit uh, and he kind of snaps out out of it and like wakes up from a bad dream kind of a deal. Uh, whereas Maze of Memory serves correct. He was almost like he was borderline Tommy Sphere like out on his feet against the cage like he wasn't asleep cold like Tommy Sphere who rumor has it is still in the Pepsi Center uh, sleeping uh, from Anthony Rebel Johnson <laughs> at welterweight somehow. But um, it was like he was out. Um, and Arnold Allen has a lot of that, you know uh, in, 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 in his career. So uh, obviously too, even though he's like not the most finishers or whatever you know uh, finishes, but like you know, as we saw in the Dan Hugger fight, um, he's dangerous early as well. Um, so being dangerous in round one, being dangerous in round three, being dangerous on the feet with the South Paul wrestle boxing dynamic to having the opportunistic submission dynamic with the defensive rap, uh, wrestling, grappling, scrambling, stamina. That dog in you to boot that uh, Alan has as well, you know. Um, he was injured and stuff in that uh, Holloway fight, apparently not at 100%. Which is also something to think about hearing Peter Jan say that, Robert Whitaker say that. Like, a lot of these uh, champ- former champions, championship-level fighters are, uh, even these guys are, are, are taking fights. People need money, man. Even these fight- fighters are taking fights where they're not healthy. So, just another danger of gambling, to remind you all. But, yeah um t- on that note yeah i actually i actually like Allen here um i wasn't sure if I, I i thought we were maybe gonna get a better line so i thought i was gonna maybe wait but i'm like no um i'll pull the trigger now and i'm glad i did it plus 175 which is one of the better lines out there so far we'll see it's good enough for me that's all that matters i don't need to be clv i'm fine with that number uh win or lose uh, i put 1.25 units on it um and then what i did i was gonna go i put a half a whole so I put a whole half unit. Uh and Allen Inside the Distance at plus three fifty. Um and uh because that was gonna be my my prop squad, but like I don't know what happened. Like my, my submission didn't send in. And someone else grabbed uh I think my guy Chuck Mendenhall, shout out to Chuck Mendenhall, part of the prop squad this week. I think he grabbed that one. So uh I grabbed one which we're gonna go What we'll talk about next, which I actually feel just as good about. So hopefully we have that same juju from last week. But uh, I played it nonetheless, uh Allen inside the distance. And then I'm going to put this in my round robin, but I, I'll admit I did put a .17 U because it's just a .17 U. I don't know if my round robin is going to allow me to hit it. And then what if we have a thing where that's the one, you know, where it's typical classic, you know, Dan Tom goes one for four, one for five or whatever. I'm not trying to talk negatively. We just came off of a win and a win with the round robin. Very grateful. But you guys know what I'm saying. I still want to be able to um, – hit that round three and at plus 1800 for round three, Arnold Allen point 17, you, you will probably see that in my round Robin. The only reason why maybe you wouldn't is if I have to put the Allen money line, which is like, eh, but you know how it is sometimes with the round Robins, how I do in a lot, some of these houses, they kind of limit, like you got to at least have one like dog money line in there. I find, or otherwise they'll like limit you. You can't just have like all one of my houses tends to let me do it. So I'm going to try there first. But yeah, Allen round three is definitely something I'm going to be looking for. Um, So we're roughly at like a a unit and three quarters just north of that exposure, essentially. And the parlay that I have actually pays off the exposure if it hits. And or if Allen hits, it pays off the exposure I have for the parlay. Which I like that, right? Because it's like a trifecta here. Last week, we had a trifecta of three big bets for all the same amounts. 1.5, 1.5, 1.5. They all hit. They all covered each other. This one, we got the the night hinging on Shitara. And I honestly came into this hating all the lines. And I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if I just end up on betting on Shitara and avoiding this whole fucking card, right? That was my point, like, Monday or Tuesday this week. So, but then then I was just like, so I just, that's another reason why I just went heavy, right? Like, over three units on Shitara. And then I added the round props even on top of that. But I like Allen. And, you know... Uh, I like this parlay enough to parlay it, clearly, but you guys know me. I don't really like parlays that much. So what I did is I made these lower-tier lower, ter- lower tier plays, like the Allen and this Sp- two-leg parlay. I made it because, again, I'm, I'm realistic. Of course, we want everything to hit. Of course, we want to be positive. But if we're being realistic, uh, we know we're betting on MMA here. We're lucky if one fucking thing hits. So with that in mind, I try to fortify my plays to kind of, you know, I just need one of these three or one of my big ones to hit or something along those lines. So, where like I don't need everything, not only do I not need everything, I don't even need 75% of my things to hit for me to profit. I want to make it so I need no more than 50. I mean, ideally, it'd be great to where like you have your plays four to five, you're playing some big fucking numbers in that case, your odds go up. But yeah, if you're playing under 50%, you know, uh, to kind of make, make the rest back up, if my numbers aren't making sense here. Sorry, I'm talking my own self in circles, but yeah, I try to get one to cover the other, right? I want to be able to make sure that, like, you know, only half my plays need to hit to be able to win, right? I'm not expecting to win them all. Uh, so, we got Brad Katona, my favorite accent, as you guys know. Jesus. Uh, Minus 218. Garrett Armfield, plus 180. I've let the accent, and speaking of personal things, you know, I mean, i talking about, like, heavy and serious issues off the top of the card, right? Thanks to the, thanks, thanks to the person headlining and interjecting that in the conversation. But, like, a heck, even silly, stupid things like me getting annoyed at someone's accident, which was so silly and stupid, I've allowed that to blind me. That's another reason why I, like, you know, uh, not to stick to sports, to give credence to that stupid saying, but in a sense that, ironically, it's kind of what I do uh, because I'm trying to, like, get the best read and analysis for myself and my, 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 my viewers and listeners out there. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I ditched that. And, man, it was easy to kind of ditch that after Gatona's last fight against uh, Gibson because, boy, that was a really fun fight. Um, not like Brad Gatona fights and really showed his striking. You know, I know he had the Canadian boxing golden gloves. But you really see him, you know, hooking off of jabs and finding those counters on the inside. And uh, I really liked what he did in that fight. Uh, I had to go through adversity as well. Physical, gas tank-wise, all sorts, right? And just came through, um, and you know Styles can make those fights, but Garen Armfield could be the same way. You know he has a traditional martial arts background on Taekwondo, black belt. Katona's got a karate black belt, by the way, as well. Uh, but Armfield, um, you know, and he's got like a rank in Jujitsu. But uh, despite Jujitsu and traditional martial arts being his actual ranks, you know he's more of a wrestle boxer out there as far as a style goes. You know he's got some decent wrestling. Like he'll hit gramby rolls, scrambles, got some decent takedowns offensively. Um, and he's got some nice, like, kind of like Pennington, he's got, like, those nice uppercut hook returns hardwired into him. I really like, I'm a big fan of those. Um, but, you know, and not just looking at his record or whatever, but he's very much do or die, you know, he's very much gonna go out there, he's gonna be really game. Um, but we just saw Brad, Brad Katona have to answer that kind of a call from a similar action fighter who is actually bigger and more experienced, um, more credentialed, uh, better wrestler, etc., than than Garrett Armfield, and he passed. I don't want to say flying colors, but you know, impressively passed the test, right? Katona did. So anyone out there saying there's value on Katona, I, I don't disagree. And either there's the market because he's went up this week, and I just wanted to find some way to get on him. So I was like, I'm gonna fuck it, I'm gonna parlay him. You guys know me. I like Chris Curtis. I didn't want. I, stay, I want to stay away from the Mike Mallott, And I'll be really quick on the rest of these breakdowns because pretty much everything else feels like trap material. Uh, false or dangerous inflation or all three of the above on the prelims really hate it so i was like you know what i can get plus 129 by putting katona and curtis together and again if that hits um that pays off the exposure for the allen and what i like to do with my parlays i don't parlay much but it's a real classic what i would do is if you could do it ideally every leg is great because it keeps action in the game it makes it fun but remember how I said with my total plays, I like to make it so I only need to hit like half my plays to be able to profit. That's how I like to set it up, right? <clears throat> now, even within that, I like to keep the same equation, the same theme, which is even within... that's a, That was the theory and theme for a group of plays. Well, I'm going to take that same theme for a single play, like this parlay, for example. Um, if the parlay hits, it covers my Arnold bet, like I just said. But... It's a two-leg parlay. So even though I didn't find any props that I like with Curtis, because I feel like the angles are too dangerous and not worth the exposure. So that's why he's in the parlay, right? Um, With Katona, I actually could justify it, even though he's a big decision machine. Even in his last fight, still went to decision. He had the guy rocked and yada, yada, yada. Um, You know, I don't want to say the guy feels like he's due for a finish, but he is trending that way. He's only getting better. You could argue he should have got a, he shouldn't have gotten cut. You could argue he should have gotten a better matchup last time around, this time around, and he's still not. Um, and traditionally, the way he does finish is uh, by submission, and I believe even in like later rounds, like two or three, right. Um, whereas Armfield, most of his finishes are early, and majority of his losses are by submission, and they come, you know, rounds two or three, kind of after that first round. That first half of the fight, boom, so to speak. Uh, so why not sprinkle Brad Katona in rounds two and three? And you're getting really good numbers because he's known as a decision merchant. I got uh, as high as plus 900 for round two and plus 1,400 for round three, which means you only need to do point seventeen unit shots on each. That's total of point three four unit shot. Uh, 3, 4 units, really small. You won't even notice if that's gone, hopefully, right? So to speak. Um, but those pay out, like, pretty decently. I think it's, like, what, like, one pays out, like, uh was it, like, a unit and three quarters or two units, the other is, like, over two unit, two units or something like that. Um, But, uh, essentially, like, uh, if either one of those round prop hits, it pays off the parlay. So if Curtis doesn't, so if Curtis, you know, drops the ball, but Katona finishes rounds two or three, the parlay's paid off, right? Or, Katona finishes round two or three, then Curtis completes the parlay. Then we're really in the money, you know, And depending on what our round robin's doing. Shoot, we might even be in a position where, you know, if if, if Allen hits two, right? And inside the distance, like we might even be in a position at that point where, you know, we don't even need our big play to hit that our night's supposed to be hinging on, supposed to be. So that's kind of how I structured it, if that makes sense. I'll recap all these plays at the end. Now, I'm going to speed through the rest of these because I don't have uh, the biggest takes and we're running long. Um, Charles Jourdain, minus 218. Sean Woodson, plus 180. This is easy because he's on the no bet list. That's right. My no bet list isn't very big, but I got to stick to it. I can't remember what fighter it was, but um, it was one toward the end of the last year. year's card where I was like, I totally was like, it was no surprise that I lost, but it, it was, and not that I even surprised that I do this, because I do this a lot too, to my credit, but it was one of those where I'm like, I deserve to lose this one, folks, like, I bet a fighter that was on the no-bet list, and now I can't think of who that fighter is, which is very dangerous, but I do remember, uh, oh yeah, it was Charles Johnson, no-bet list, anything with Charles Johnson, and Charles Jourdain, I mean, Charles, yeah, unlike Charles Dubronx, there's is, this is some really bad Charles. This man, Charles's are populating my no-bet list, Charles Jourdain is the same way, betting for him, betting against him. The classic Jordanian round three that I always want to do, like, nope, because he will even get Andre frickin' Uhl, the guy who is designed to go down in round three, and instead of finishing him, he wants to do his cool 300 thing, because that's not overplayed at all. Staring in the camera here, really annoying, like, (laughs) Uh, but yeah, um, so I just, I I do not bet Charles Jordanian fights him. I'm going to pick him here, but um, this is another just, it feels trappy, playing him in any sort of fashion much less as a two-to-one favorite, Charles Jourdain. Uh Ramon Tavares, plus 154. It was a Southpaw series City, minus 185. Um, yeah, they're running this back from Contender Series. Like It was kind of a sketchy stoppage, so I get it. It's just the rematch fatigue, the under-delivering on this card, it did them no favors. Um, I'll probably pick City, but I, I feel like you're, you should be betting the Southpaw Tavares or pass at this point. Uh, Jillian Robertson, minus 305 over Pollyanna-Viana, plus 245. Uh, Part of me is thinking about putting, like, Robertson by decision in a round-robin. That's the only thing I would maybe even touch on this. I'll pick Robertson. But I just feel sketched out. I feel like we get a bad striking match or a sketchy just grappling match where they just neutralize each other. And it's just much more closer than it needs to be and much more sweatier than it needs to be. And that is not the fight I really want to have action toward. But if I'm desperate... Uh, for something in the round robin, and I'm guessing her by decision is probably north of 2-1, to one, which is not great, but good enough, but also crappy enough to allow the houses that I like to round robin in to allow me to get action, then yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that part ends up on a round robin of sorts. Sam Patterson, plus 120, seeing action come in as a dog. You want Linus, minus 142. I want to look more into this before I pick a side. That being said, I'm not sure if I'll be tailing the action. though people I respect are on the Patterson side, as well as Patterson by KO. Um Linus, from what I recall, kinda, you know, is a bit gassy. So if you do fade him, maybe he's you look to play like Patterson in round three. But again, I gotta look back into Patterson. Is he even a round three guy or is he another kind of early guy too? And we just get a crazy action fight and it's flip a coin, have your money on the dog. Um yeah, I may end up still siding with side Sam Patterson, but don't run to the bank if you see me pick him, because I probably will not be running to the bank, much less the betting window for that fight. Uh, we also have, I know Malcolm Gordon's around here somewhere, right? And, uh, yeah, Malcolm Gordon minus 205, Jimmy the Brick Flick plus 170. Like when it, when the line was tighter initially, I was like, oh, okay, maybe you'll get like decent lines. I want to look at maybe Malcolm Gordon rounds two and three, but to be honest, both guys don't seem to do well. The longer the fight goes, you know what I'm saying? Cause, uh, Flick's just one of those guys who I've profited on and should have profited on at times. Where he's just that round one or bus, I have to fade the other side. You know, pickups in rounds two or three, but is is Malcolm Gordon a round two, round two or three guy? I don't know, but at the inflated price, that that's about all I would look at to be honest or pass. I'm guessing everything else inflated is inflated, or they're making you choose Parker on a guy who already feels like a pick 'em despite not being priced that way. So it'll probably be a stay away for me. Jasmine Jazdevichus. Uh Davisius uh minus three eighty uh Pascilla Casueta plus plus three hundred. Um shout out to Paul Shag, catch a beating. I feel like I should just be picking and playing casueta out of principle. Like again, round robins need at least one dog. If my one house is being a pain, they maybe you need at least like two money line dogs out of my four slots, especially if I do a five slaughter. In that case, maybe I put casueta even if I don't pick her. Uh regardless if I pick pick Cachueta or not. Um. Don't be surprised if she is a fill-in spot in my round robin just for the sheer value. Um. But whether even if I pick her, I it wouldn't be a confident pick. I think Jasmine is going to make it ugly in the clinch and grappling parts. Make it ugly, not in the striking where Priscilla Casueta really can have her chances. Um. Uh but I'm a big fan of of cashway to catch away a catch beating. So we'll see what I end up picking. But yeah, it's not one you wanna run to the bank on. All right. How did we do on time before we clean the chat? 14708. Jesus Christ. Well, I had a decent amount of tape study for you guys. So at least there's that. I've been mean, getting through the whole main card and even having some prelims. But for whatever I don't finish, again check out my guy Fenyo's uh full preview podcast. Check out uh, you know, uh Chronic Combat Conversations and all oh, plenty plenty other podcasts out there. My guy Die Hard MMA's out there doing his thing, always killing it. Uh, the MMA analysis podcast. Love those guys. I'd be on, on here forever naming naming. But let's uh let's let's give credit to you guys here in the chat. Um Matt Wells, Dabber for Dan, breaking down UFC two ninety seven, only Dan Cam. Mr. Wells, one of the good dudes in this space, man. We, we we uh we need we need more good people in this space for sure covering it. And my guy Matt Wells. I haven't seen Matt in a while. Thank you. Thank you though, Matt. Thank you, too. Too kind, sir. Too kind. Uh, hope to see you. Uh, hope to see you on a Vegas show, my friend. That would be fucking cool. Uh, I'm see. Feel like I haven't seen that in a minute. says uh, in Truesdale. I saw Ghost's thread on Neil Magny's susceptibility to low calf kicks because he backs up to the fence and his bladed stance. Should Malat just keep the stance closed and low kick? I mean, uh, yeah, definitely. I think that's 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 definitely the book. But again, it's that back to that IQ test. Will they right? Do they look at the tape? Will they do that? And I think Malad is a guy who will who has the intention to do both. It's a fight. Anything anything can happen. Speaking of uh, MMA junkie colleagues, by the way, if you guys like, I know I haven't been doing the the fight nights. I took a break on those. It's been uh, it's been really again just without getting into it, it's it been really just you know really really really, really tough uh, doing my normal flow of things for many reasons. But if you are looking for, like, companion sort things, um, my guys, Go- George and Goz are always doing it over there uh, on the Junkie stream, man. So be sure to check them out. Uh, Farah Hanoon, who sometimes I'll help with the pre-show, she kills it there. So shouts to them. James Kendrick to parlay off Rio Ghost uh, also said that as long as you study film, Neil Magny will fold if you just low-kick him and build off it. But he also said that only four people looked at the film and capitalized. Yeah, again, that's the thing. For for as many guys as Neil Magny's fought, very little is, uh, you know, uh, fought him the air quotes right way. Uh, James Kendrick adds Larkin, Gary, RDA, and Ponzanibio were the only four that came with passing the IQ tests, like they say on heavy hands. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Great shot. Heavy hands, too. Great shot. Uh, Rain Lamina, Cheeky Nodder, Jack Slackfair. Yeah, that's going to be the Cheeky Nodder of the week for sure. Barrio and. Um, like can Curtis, Rain Laminate says, and a chance for a no contest. Ghosts love those contests for some reason. <laughs> oh, man, Ghost has been had plenty to fe- feast on then lately, maybe. Um, Nick Wilson, regarding the next fight, am I crazy for wondering why Brad Katona is a 2-1 to favorite? feels like Armfield is going to just stick him with a 1-2 at range for 50, 15 minutes. I mean, I think Armfield uh, could do that, and if he can run away with it from the first round. But um, as far as, uh, you know, the depth, staying power... And those things, I think Katona has shown more in the octagon against higher op- optimi- level opposition, and shown those things where we still got to see Armfield do that. But yeah, uh, Armfield's ones and twos are also really nice. So good shout, Aaron. Met- Aaron Menard, what's up? What's up, fool? I literally, uh, literally a dapper Dan- dapper man, Tom. <laughs> what's up, Aaron? Aaron, one of one of the homies from Texas. Speaking of Texas, showing up strong. We got all the people from the Texas space showing up strong. Saw my guy Aaron, of course, at the uh, MMA judges cert. Of course, he's doing his due diligence, working hard as he always is, man. Just uh, love to see it, love to see it. Uh, Jimmy Kudo five nine eight to add to James and Rio. Whenever Magny gets low calf kicked, he looks like Bambi on ice. Yeah, he does. He's uh, is very like uh, that John Jones freeze where he's getting kicked by Tiago Santos, where it looks like he's like skating, like on ice. Like it's very much that. Yeah, absolutely. Nick Wilson, Armfield, such a crisp one too, and stays over the feet, uh, which Cody Gibson totally could not do. Yeah, t- t- Cody Gibson was a little more wild, more that switch dance, throwing more kicks, um, more happy to get into the clinch, which was uh, costing him toward the end because Katona's dirty boxing was nice. Um, but for those reasons, I also think that could bring out Katona grappling more, which could bring a boring fight, which may work against the finishes. Uh, not that we need it because it's only set 0.17 U shots. But again, grappling does lead to finishes traditionally for Armfield, who, you know, his, finishing, his lo- finishing, all his finishing losses come by uh, submission, so we'll see. Nick Wilson says, I love the show. I'm glad to catch you live this time. Much love. Thank you. Now, thank you for your contributions, Nick Wilson. Always love the sharp analysis that you guys offer, too. We'll always give you guys credit when I can. Of course, Mixed Martial analysts. if you guys want to support this show, uh, there is Amazon and on it. Click through banners. You just click through the banner. Go to MixedMartialAnalyst.com. Sports this podcast, my website toggle down to the mobile if you're on the mobile and um let's see click-throughs there you just click through on it or Amazon if you do any shopping there small percentage will get kicked back to this year program and no extra cost to you and um, if it's through Amazon I will read off the purchases it doesn't tell me who bought it so if you want to have a you know I, I, I gotta stop making all these one night in Bangkok jokes and stuff cause now I'm going to Thailand everybody I tell them like like uh you, you know my mom's like oh I'm going to Thailand huh I'm like yeah yeah now I'm going going to train some more time I was just like uh-huh Sure you are. Be safe. And I'm like, no ma I'm just and she's just like, 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 like the like the like the like the the guy from Fight Club to Edward Norton. But I don't own a vibrate. <laughs> just cuts them off and just writes them off You wonder where I get it from. Like my own fucking family is like does the same fucking shit to me. Um that I enjoy doing or seeing done to other people. Go figure. Um, so that karma is gonna come back to me for sure tenfold. Uh but yeah, thank you guys. Uh Brad Tashchuk, calf-kicking Magni Madoff is cowardly. (laughs) It is, but only if you don't follow up and finish like, um, like, uh, Ian Gary, who, uh, I don't even want to make any jokes there with the finishing thing. Right, anyway, so I don't want to feed that fucking shit, but you guys know what I'm saying. I'll, I'll leave the jokes to the Brad Tashchecks of the world. He makes better ones than me. Rodan Curtis, third time in a row I've caught the stream. You're becoming a very welcome and great addition to my week. I really appreciate that. That means a lot. I'm glad I'm not annoying to everybody. So if you don't find me annoying, or even if you do, why not? Fuck it. Hit the like button. Um, literally, five-star ratings and reviews I appreciate. I'll give a shout to the five-star ratings and reviews. If you do that on iTunes on the next show, Because if I don't get a top five show, you guys are definitely getting a recap show where I will be able to do the Amazon and On It Reads where you can support this show. Also, uh, PayPal secure donations link. If you just want to donate something straight up for this free program, uh, of course, you can also find that not just at MixedMarshalAnalyst.com, but also in my link tree. It not just has my website, MixedMarshalAnalyst.com. that supports this here show, the Protect Connect podcast. Also, secure donation links for PayPal. Uh, no Patreons or anything like that, and if I ever do, you guys won't know about it, but it will probably pop up there if you feel so kind or inclined, but there are secure PayPal donations if you want to donate, or you can hit the super chat, uh, especially if you just want to wait, like, hey, let's see here, fucking point Dexter, let's wait, wait to see if any of your cash, let's see, you you got lucky one week, let's see if you get lucky two weeks, fine, whatever, or not, if you don't care, give a shit, you just want to be nice, you can always hit that super chat. Uh, super donate or whatever it's appreciated especially since my cursing perverted crazy ass probably can't get monetized too well uh, With what I say much less the reach that I have so it's appreciated I'm um, gonna wish you guys the best before I get out of here. I'm almost wrapping it up Let's recap some picks and plays before we get out of here I mean, uh, now I really want to buy a vibrating nunchuck and some funny uh, Fluffy handcuffs believe me you can just make sure you click the Amazon link before you do so rain lamina or anybody else Alright, recapping picks and plays. Taking uh Natural Born Killers uh Sean Strickland over third Rikus Duplessis. taking Shitara Eye of Thundera give me sight beyond sight taking Maida Buena Silva over Rocky the Ponch baby Ponched up Punched up punch Pennington Sorry <laughs> I say that as a fellow Punch pers- up person, believe me. I, I got love for the Punch and Ponch fighters. Pennington the Ponch, baby. Can can bueno Silva overcome the punch? I'm picking her. We'll see. Taking uh bright malat, I mean white malat, Mike Malat. Sorry, I love me some Mike Malat. It's nothing personal, folks. Relax, relax. There's no guilty of being white here. Relax, folks. not a minor threat song. It's all good. Uh, taking Mike Malat over Neil Magny. Uh Taking the action man Chris Curtis over Mark Andre Berihu. Taking uh Arnold Almighty Allen over uh Mavzar Ivoyev. Um. Taking Brad Guzan over uh, Garrett Armfield, T- taking Jordan I guess over Woodson. Probably take City over Tavares. Probably take Robertson Robertson over Viana. Uh, we'll see where I, if I, who I take between uh, Linus and Patterson. Probably will take Patterson because I'll need a dog. Maybe the same goes for Casueta, but don't be surprised if I pick Jazdivisius and end up with Casueta. In my round robin for the value, taking Malcolm Gordon over Jimmy the Brick Flick. Plays. we got the Curtis and Katona Parlay for plus 129, 1.25 units. we got Allen at plus 175 for 1.25 units. We've got Chitara, the Eye of Thundera. Give me sight beyond sight. The Chitara at minus 160, 3.75 units. For props, we got a lot of round flyers. Da, 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 da. Shitara um, round, pl- round, uh, round three plus round two plus eight fifty point thirty three Scotty Pippen units. Shitara uh, round three plus eleven hundred point thirty three Scotty units. Scotty Pippen units. Shitara round four plus fourteen hundred point three three units. Uh, for Scottie Pippen units there, Allen inside the distance plus 350 for a half unit. Sprinkled a little bit on Allen in round three plus hundred point seventeen 17 u. Oh, Brakitone round two plus 1,900 for point 17 u. Uh, round three plus 1,400 for .17 U. Since I have the round coverage, maybe I don't get too cheeky in having to choose Parker for my round robin. Maybe I just throw Katona by sub, speaking to his pathways to victory there for the round robin. Maybe a Jillian Robertson by decision if I really need a leg or I'm going for five. Maybe a Cacheweda money line if I really need some flat money line there. Hopefully I don't have to burn an Allen plus 175, which is not sexy for a spot because I would much rather target and try to target Allen in round three at plus 1800 for my round robin, and even though it's not too sexy, not two to one, probably just under at plus 185 or so. Probably have some Shitara Silva uh, submission in there on the round robin again. Uh, for f- whether it's a four or five, I'll definitely get some Shitara representation in there. So we'll see what the final looks like. Check me at Dan Tom MMA on Fight Day, where the Thundercat fight gifts will be in full effect. You guys know I like to change up the theme each week. It's really nice when it, you know, uh, works out, too, and you get some cool stuff. What did we do last week? It worked out pretty nicely. That was fun. Oh, it was Guardians of the Galaxy. It was. Uh, that was a. That was. nice. That worked out real nice. So, uh, yeah, hopefully this one does, too. I um, feel like I'm seeing the board, but there are no guarantees in this game. It's a crazy game. We know that, folks. So, uh, yeah, Rain Lamina, maybe some cop sunglasses. I don't know if I'll be rocking those on this podcast. Jimmy Kudo, protect your neck with a baseball bat grip. Exactly, guys. You know what's up. You know what's coming. Good luck on your picks and plays. Don't spread any hateful uh, hate crimes. Uh, love your brothers and sisters, uh, no matter what. Too much hate in this world. Enjoy the fights, of course. But yes, always protect. Yep.